When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and tonight we are five days away from Destiny 2 Beyond Light. And not only that, but we have an amazing Guardian joining us tonight. He is a Twitch streamer. He's a YouTuber with a community of 80,000 Guardians strong. He is everything. He's a hunter. He's a titan. He's a warlock. And he's also the fearless leader of Emerge Gaming, and we're excited to welcome him on the show. Pause, reset, play. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Gentlemen, thank you. And I would say, along with those things, I am a strong Gemini Jester Bastion user, so I have a bone to pick right now with the changes to the mobility. We can get to that here in a second tonight, but I'm hopeful that even with those changes, I can continue to spam Gemini's when Beyond Light comes out. And we're going to dive into that in just a little bit. But before we do, we have my co-host here, Shadow Price. How are you doing tonight, brother? Oh, my God. I'm doing awesome. Like, we're on the verge of so many things happening next week, right? We've got Beyond Light next week in five days. We've got the new consoles, Series X releasing on November 10th, PS5 releasing on November 12th. And we have an awesome guest on next week, too. We got none other than Cosmo from Bungie on next week. So, yeah, I mean, I'm like through the roof right now with excitement. So let's let's get it going. You know, you just saying that just gives me chills. I just I can't believe that all of this is happening. And yeah, we're we're going to have so many things to be excited about in less than one week. We have new consoles coming out and. We know the Xbox Series X will be out next week and the PlayStation 5 is coming. And I got to ask, I know that Shadow Price has his pre-order, but pause, reset, play. Will you be picking up an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5 next week? I do have PS5 pre-ordered. I am hopeful that I get it on release day. I know there's some question marks on whether or not people will actually be getting it on Thursday of next week. But that's my intention. I want to get it set up as soon as I can. I missed out. I was wayward and I missed out on pre-ordering the Xbox. And 
I know it's really unfortunate sometimes because a lot of times with the streams I do, it's people are on Xbox and it's hard to play. Obviously, if you don't have the console, I had an Xbox and I gave it to my nephew to help him out. So he had some games to play. And my intention was to get the new Xbox. But as of right now, I have not gotten one pre-ordered. I think there may be some in stock. I'm going to try to sneak in and grab one if I can next week. The issue is the Xbox comes out right when Beyond Light does. And I intended to do uh, an all-day stream that day. So if I'm able to, I'll try to sneak over and see if any of my local stores have some in stock. And that's my intention to have both of those and be able to play with you guys on Xbox, PC, or PS5. Very cool. Now, quick tip. We did hear confirmation from Sony and from Microsoft that the consoles will only be available online. You will not be able to purchase them at the store for the remainder of 2020. Okay, so that so, means I got to scour the interweb and make sure I grab one of those as soon as it's in stock. Yes, and please avoid eBay at all costs. That is not a place where you want to shop for the next-gen consoles. Yeah, or graphics cards for that matter. Or graphics cards, are, yeah. I, I've tried. Going there right now. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to get a graphics card. Oh, man, it's it was bad. I did happen to pick something else up earlier today, and it's funny because Shadow Price messaged me, and he was like, <laughs> did you get the new AMD CPU? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I actually did. I happened to pick one up. I still don't know why. I, I don't know what what it is. I mean, I know what it is. It's a CPU, but I don't really know the benefits that it would offer me or the compatibility with what I have currently. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Well, mm. the, fact, the fact you got one, I think, is just amazing to begin with, considering how hard these things are to get when they first come out. So, Yeah, it was kind of like an impulse buy for me, you know, because I'm like, OK, you know, it, I don't know. I'm not going to upgrade my uh, PC like, you know, tomorrow or anything, but it's just something nice to have, you know, when I do decide because I have to get an AMD motherboard because I'm all Intel. Uh, same with Corin, because we literally build our PCs like the same day with a lot of the same components so yeah and i've been working on upgrading my pc right now i'm trying to pick up a new graphics card so if anyone knows i'm looking for a 3080 almost well, on a daily basis the but amd cards are coming out like I amd think cards are pretty, yeah. and yeah, so. some of them are pretty impressive too we got it we're still waiting for the benchmarks on them but um i think they're going to be pretty impressive though I like it. Like, it's a good time to be a gamer. New new GPUs, new CPUs, console. Yeah, it is. It's it's an amazing time to be a gamer. Like it's it's crazy. It's all happening in a year, like year like this too. You know, it's like work is still managed to get to be getting done. You know, they're still getting the work done, which is crazy. And I think, Even the, though, yeah. Go ahead. Even though games are getting delayed all over the place, but you know. It's, <laughs> And, you know, I think the crazy thing is that everything seems to be happening in that same week. I mean, we have new consoles coming out. We have Destiny 2 Beyond Light. We're getting new tech getting announced almost on a weekly basis now with the new AMD CPUs, with the new graphics cards from AMD, with the Intel cards. If you're able to get one, good luck. (laughs) It's been pretty rough for us. But uh, it's it's exciting, uh, very exciting times. And 
we also have some more stuff that is going on with all of the craziness. Call of Duty is coming out with their new game, and there's a little bit of controversy that I want to kind of touch on real quick before we move on to the next topic. And the next-gen Call of Duty game will be $69.99. What do you all think about this? Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, I think that we've been fortunate that games have stayed at $59.99 for as long as they have. And the price increase was going to happen at some point. To go up 10 bucks, I don't think that's super expensive. And, and to be honest, guys, back in, the, back in my day, uh, when I had... <laughs> Sega Genesis and Super those, Nintendo. Yes, those cartridges. This is back in the mid '90s. They were seventy-four ninety-nine. I remember they were. getting Fantasy yeah. Star Four, crying to my grandmother to get it, and and it cost seventy-five bucks. This was back in like '94. So yes. I'm not sure how much that is in in twenty twenty dollars, but probably like hundred and twenty bucks to be honest. I remember so, getting Street Fighter Two Turbo in nineteen ninety three for seventy-five dollars. Yes. So, so it, Games were way more expensive back then. We've been lucky to have the games stay. We've been very lucky. Bucks. Very lucky. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not too. It doesn't worry me too much because the price will always come down. You know, it, that price is only like for the launch. You know, after a while, it will come down because mm-hmm. you know they have to. You know, it's like, but um, it was bound to happen. It's exactly. Just, yeah. No. Game, I agree. Games have been sixty bucks for like fifteen, sixteen years now. It seems like so um, with the price of development and everything that goes into games now, like how big the worlds are and just it, like it becomes expensive. You know, you keep the studios all, you know, just to you keep the studios running and all the hardware and, the, you know, the computers that you have to use and everything. It just it becomes pricey after a while. You know, you got to be able to yeah. make up that those costs somewhere, I guess. Agreed. And I'm I'm just going to leave you all with a food for thought. I totally agree. I think video games are we're bound to increase in cost. We haven't had a price increase on video games in a very long time. And I do think video games offer the ultimate form of value when you think about how much time you spend consuming the content and enjoying the content versus the money that you end up spending. Your return on investment is pretty high. I will say this year more than ever. I will say one thing. I don't think Activision is the company that should have led this price increase. Here's why. Recently, we learned that Activision made something like $1.6 billion from microtransactions in three months. So we know that they're not struggling for money. It's not a matter of they're not generating enough revenue. They're making a ton of money especially with all the microtransactions that are available in games today that were not available many years ago. So they're monetizing on many different fronts. And I do think, given the economic landscape that we're having and given everything that's happening in the world, I don't know if this was the right time for them to do this. If it's a company that needs... That is the pushback. Yeah, that's, that, that's the pushback. If it's a company that needs to generate the revenue to be able to make ends meet and produce the games, great. But I don't necessarily support the companies that are making 
billions of dollars already through microtransactions. And it's not like they said, hey, we're going to do that less, but we're going to charge you a bit more for the game. I'm sure the microtransactions are going to stay. And if anything, we're going to have more of that. Like the annualized franchises, like the NBA 2Ks and the Maddens and things like that, too. It's like, how much are you changing about your game? Now, the next gen versions of NBA 2K are very impressive. I've seen screenshots and videos. They look really, really impressive. You know, so I can kind of see it, but also, you know, again, with the microtransactions, like they make so much money hand over fist in microtransactions. So it's an argument for both sides, I feel like. So I think I can definitely get that, but by the same token as well, so Treyarch, they're the ones who make Black Ops, right? Yeah. And doesn't it stand a reason that with the price increase, they'll also be able to get a bigger piece of that pie as well? Uh, yeah, prob- I would imagine so, yeah. That's true. So if, so if the end result is a developer that makes content that we enjoy, I've, I've played the zombie modes on those games, insane amount of time right so i guess what i'm getting at here is if the end result is them getting additional resources and allowing them to make games that we love and enjoy for a longer portion of time for longer in the future i'm okay with that i think as long as as long as the game or the product that we're getting is commensurate with what we're spending that i think is the most important takeaway yeah well said yeah the value transmission i feel like is you Mm -hmm. know for sure. And I mean, they got me with this Call of Duty because I'm they got Reagan in it and I'm a kid of the 80s. So, like, I want to play that. I want to play I, a campaign where they have Reagan, like, you know, in it. And so, yeah, and I played the, the beta or the demo for that and loved it. I mean, it, it reminded me of Modern Warfare 2, 3, Black Ops 1 and 2. Those are my favorite Call of Duty. So for me, it was like, this is a this is the kind of game I can play and, and enjoy. My only complaint is not so much the price increase, but it's coming out right around the same time as Beyond Light. So I know I'm not going to have enough time, especially if I want to cover Beyond Light like I do um, for streaming. I will not probably have enough time to enjoy that as much as if it had come out, let's say, a month later. Aren't you guys happy Cyberpunk got out of the way of Beyond Light? (laughs) Oh, man, so happy about that. Oh, for sure. (laughs) You know, because that's how it went down, right? (laughs) It's like, well... Beyond Light, we're going to launch right next to Now we better move out because we're worried about that. Well, see, I'm happy about Cyberpunk for a couple of reasons. One, the raid was coming out the same exact week that uh, that uh, Cyberpunk was coming out. And I yeah. really want to play Cyberpunk. I've been excited about that game for a really long time. But also, I ended up picking up a collector's edition and not having to spend that money on a collector's edition this month when all of these consoles are coming out. For sure. It's it's nice. It's nice to be able to just not have that extra expense so soon. So happy about that. And we get to enjoy Destiny 2 Beyond Light to its fullest. And on the topic of Destiny 2 Beyond Light, we have something else we have a bit of a rumor that has been floating around about an upcoming IP called Matter. And some are saying that it will be the spiritual successor to Destiny. Which I I find that really interesting. Did you all hear about this news slash rumor? I did, and I'll be honest, I don't put a whole lot of credence behind it. I think right now 
we've been given a roadmap, right? We've been given Beyond Light, the Witch Queen, and, and Lightfall. So we know what the next high-level roadmap is for Destiny 2, and it's spanning the next three years. I think the main question is, what happens to this franchise when Lightfall is done? So when year four, I guess, whatever it is, year three of that kind of triumvirate ends, what is going to be the future of Destiny? I think it largely depends on how popular the game is at that time. If it continues its popularity and, and gets more popular, perhaps that makes it the decision. But I'm really curious, is that going to be the end of Destiny overall? And perhaps this, this new IP is the future? Or is it separate entirely and Destiny 3 maybe does become a thing at some point after this roadmap is complete? You know, it's really interesting you mentioned that because we have been talking about this pretty extensively and really speculating is Lightfall the end of Destiny 2 as we know it will Bungie continue with the franchise will they do something totally different we don't know we can only speculate I think it's too early to tell because at the end of the day Bungie is a company and if there is demand for Destiny, they're going to continue giving us more Destiny. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this journey goes in the next couple of years. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited for what we will be playing in just five days. I'm excited for the Witch Queen and I'm excited for Lightfall and to see how the story develops. And as the Bungie developers have said the best is yet to come, and I'm so excited about that. For sure. I, I totally agree. And, you know, me, honestly, my, my thought process here is I think that when Lightfall is done, that's when the, the franchise will continue to go forward no matter what, I think, because the fan base for this game is very dedicated. You have players who've played since the game came out and who play a significant portion each week. You have people at this point now whose only game they play, by and large, is Destiny. I'm, I'm probably in that group as well. So I think no matter what happens, as long as the game doesn't completely tank, which I don't see that happening, it's going to keep going. Now, the question then becomes, will Bungie part ways with Destiny and have the Halo approach where they sold the franchise? I could see that being a reality, to be honest with you. I, I could see that being a reality just because maybe they could strike while the iron's hot and, and get a significant investment back. Also, too, it may free up additional resources on their own end to allow them to focus on the new IP or other projects that they have. And that's one of the things we saw. I know that, that was one of the, the talking points here is, was the game better with Activision support and their studio support? And I think right now we've seen while the game is still awesome and super fun to play and things like live events and things of that nature, those are new developments that we've had. There could be the case to be made that by having less resources, it probably makes it very difficult for them to work on this game and their new IP. And that may be something that drives their decision-making moving forward. They did say they wanted to be a multi-game studio though. So for sure. mm -hmm. there, you know, there, there might be some truth to that. You know, so we'll just have to see, you know, what their plans are once uh, Bite falls out and, you know, where the franchise is going after that. 
Yeah, and you know, I think that Bungie put in so much effort to get the franchise back, not only once but mm-hmm. twice, because they got the mm-hmm. franchise from Microsoft and from Activision, where I don't know if they would sell it. I don't know if they would just hand it off to anyone, because I think that in doing so, there's a bit of risk because they've established a very loyal player base. And I think that's more important than any new IP they can come up with. Mm -hmm. Having the guardians who have been with them since the beginning, I think that is very important to them and they are not going to abandon that. So I think just for that reason alone, I don't see them selling off destiny in any way. Do I see a Bungie uh, merge merger with Microsoft? Perhaps. Uh, sure. I don't think that's unrealistic, but I don't see them just abandoning the Destiny franchise and letting someone else take reins of it. I could be wrong. I think you, you want to keep in mind, like, this is, we're talking something three years from now, right? So let's look at three years in the past. Destiny 2 had just come out at that point, right? So, I mean, we're talking a very long time, especially in, in the video game industry. Three years is like 30 years, right? So a lot can change in, in that time period. I mean, player habits could change, player interests could change, or it could become a much more popular game, right? So these are all things that could happen over these next three years. But I think if you're a fan of this game, the fact of the matter is all three of those things that have been outlined, Beyond Light looks amazing, we know that's right around the corner. Which Queen is going to be awesome? If it's anything like King's Fall and and that or and Taking King, that's going to be amazing. I think mm-hmm. you know just the Hive in general are, are always going to be a good DLC. And then Lightfall, that's like the culmination, right? Or perhaps the culmination of this very long slow burn that we've had, light versus dark. So if you're a fan of the game, having that roadmap, having that outlook over what we can expect over the next few years, it's exciting. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Totally agree with you on that. And before we put pause, reset, play on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians, I'm curious. We're kind of celebrating a month of deals. It's Black Friday month, and Walmart officially started their Black Friday sales just a couple days ago, and Best Buy followed suit. I'm curious. Did you all pick up any... Cool things from the Black Friday sales that just started. I picked up an eight quart air fryer last night for forty nine dollars. <laughs> he said he said cool things though. <laughs> That's a hot thing. You're right. So. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I picked up a processor, but that wasn't a Black Friday deal. That was a, a brand new product. That was more of an impulse buy. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> That's also not. a hot. That runs hot too. You know, so you need something to cool it. <laughs> I have not. The the things that are on my radar are PS5, got that pre-ordered. That was before Black Friday. And Beyond Light have had that well in advance. Um, I may do some impulse shopping as well, see if I can find a, some good deals for the holidays here, but didn't buy anything just yet. So I, I just purchased a laptop a couple days ago, and I ended up picking up Joker in 4K. Nice. Excited oh, wait, to I grabbed watch that, that movie. Too. That's right. And those were my purchases so far. We'll see what comes out next. We do know that the Bungie store will be restocking pretty soon, and there will be more stuff for us to get. And we're going to dive into that in just a little bit. But before we do, 
We're going to put pause, reset, play on the hot seat tonight for our discussion with the Guardians. So pause, reset, play. I hope you're ready. Ready. All right. So the first question we have for you is how did you get started in Destiny? Good question. So I did not know about the game. I did not. Usually I, I tune into E3 and things like that and get a sense of what's coming out. And for this game, I had not seen any of the E3 footage or anything. But a friend of mine at work, a coworker, had mentioned, hey, you know, have you seen this game? Because him and I are both gamers. So I said I didn't. And he he knew that I was on PlayStation. So he let me know that, hey, man, the uh, Alpha is coming out for PlayStation next weekend. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a try. So I downloaded it. I used a Warlock and reached level eight. And I did not play on Titan or Hunter that weekend, but I was hooked right away. I'm like, this game is incredible. I, I love everything about it. I love the loot system. I love the, the lore, the characters. It was just something that got me hooked right away. And it was really mainly because a friend or a coworker casually mentioned it at work one time. And honestly, if he hadn't, it's funny how one small ripple like that can make a huge impact years from now. So had he not done that back in 2014, 2013, would I have picked up the game? Would I have started on YouTube? Would I have started streaming? And you can make the case that that singular event is what led the dominoes to fall to where I am right now and me being on the show here at this time. So it's amazing how things work out like that. Yeah, this is funny because this is a very common story here. It's always a friend, like a friend tells you about the game, you know, and it, and it same instance with me in Cornholio. He like and I'm a Bungie fan, but he's the one who like had like been flying the flag for this game. You know, he, he was like trying to get me hyped, you know, and I was like, and I'm, I'm a, I was a Halo fan, you know, so like he led the charge on me getting that game, you know, too. And we just we felt love instantly with it. The world the shooting, the loot, the music, everything. everything. Well, yeah. here, here's, here's the funny thing. Shadow Price got me into Halo because I did not play Halo until Halo Reach. In fact, Ooh. me and Shadow Price were roommates back then, and we went to Walmart on the launch day of Halo Reach, and we picked up the game, and ever since then, we were just hooked, right? And then... We, at that time, were playing Call of Duty, and we were waiting for the next Call of Duty game to come out. And I thought, you know, we have a little bit of time in between, so let's check out Destiny. Call of Duty is not coming out until, what was it, November? November. So we yeah. had some time to kill, and it was September, so we thought, you know what? Let's try this game out, and you know what? We never left. I did actually buy Advanced Warfare when <laughs> that game was out, but the best thing I got out of it was an emblem. There the we go. <laughs> there we go. Right. I love it. Oh, no, it was a shader. I'm sorry. It was the blacksmith shader. Yep. And it was I still a very have that. rare shader <laughs> later on in Destiny 1 lifespan. And what's interesting, guys, is I the first first person shooter game I played was Halo 1 back when I was a freshman in college. And that's what makes it even more funny that I didn't know about Destiny, given the history, right? So it's it's interesting how that can work out. And just like with Halo, the things I like the most, the mechanics, the the platforming always felt good. Same things have applied here, and the music, all those things. That has always been a staple of, of games that they make, and this is no exception. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Definitely. So, 
Pause Reset Play, how did your journey begin on YouTube? You've grown quite a bit. You have almost 800 videos, 80,000 Guardians strong. How did your journey begin on YouTube and Twitch? Well, it's, it's interesting because really we're almost at the five year mark. I think on November 12th, I believe, is when I made my first video five years ago. So I started basically making kind of more like simple videos. I still make pretty simple videos, to be honest with you. But I made some Fallout videos. Those were the first videos I made for Fallout 4. And I made the occasional Destiny video. My biggest regret, and this is be the one thing I'd say to anybody listening, is if you want to make videos or you want to get into streaming or podcasting, whatever the case may be, it's so important to take that step and take it now. And honestly, it's better to fail forward than to not start at all. So That'd be my one piece of advice for anybody listening. But I started about five years ago doing random videos. I did some Destiny things here and there. I wish I had covered the game in greater detail. I wish I had got in, gotten into stream years ago. And that's another thing I'd say here is jump right into it. Don't wait. Do it now. And even if you don't like it, make that decision on your own, okay? You, you be the one to make that decision. So I started about five years ago making videos here and there. Um, did some Destiny videos. I I had some Destiny videos that did okay. Didn't necessarily take it very seriously, though, um, as far as just being more professional, not making good thumbnails, all these kind of small basic things. But when you add them all up, it can have a big impact on your channel. So fast forward to D2. I missed all the launches, missed all the, all the major stuff, missed Forsaken, all that kind of stuff. Fast forward, though, to Warmind, and my channel at that time, this was about two and a half years ago at this point, my channel was uh, still really small, to be honest. I had just reached, on May 5th, 2018, I reached 1,000 subscribers, which is a pretty big deal if you're a small YouTuber. That's a big deal seeing that comma, right, in your subscriber count, because I don't care who you are, everybody likes to see their channel grow. Everybody likes to see their their following, their, their base grow. So for me... 999, 1000, it's the same, but no, it's not. It's much, much different being able to kind of see that, those three zeros in that comma there, right? So it kind of got me reinvigorated. Uh, and at that point, then I started taking myself a bit more seriously. My thumbnails were still got awful and I didn't stream yet, but I started being a bit more serious as far as increasing my video count. So instead of making one video a week, I try to make two or three and I try to control the things that I could control. So it's hard for me to say, it's hard for me to control somebody subscribing to my channel, but what I can control is I can say, all right, I'm going to make three videos this week and make sure that I adhere to that commitment. So two years ago, Warmind comes out uh, and then Whisper comes out. So Whisper of the Worm Mission comes out and I am blown away. Still didn't stream though, still didn't do any streaming at all, but I'm blown away by this mission. My faith in the game, I wouldn't say it was wavering, but my interest in the game was wavering with Curse of Osiris as I think most players were. But Whisper was like, okay, baby, we're back. Here we go. This is this is the destiny that I love right here. This type of surprise, in-your-face, discovery, mission, ambiance, all those good things that are what makes this game as popular as it is. So Whisper comes out, and I didn't make any videos on that or anything, but it got me even more excited. So you had that combined thing of me hitting a, a major channel milestone, coupled with the game that I love and enjoy, getting back to its roots and, and back to its preeminence. So fast forward again, Warmind again, and we are now at the Spicy Ramen quest. And this was obviously a paying homage to Cade and 
for myself, I was like, all right, well, you know what? I had gotten done work earlier that day, and I figured I'm going to go live on YouTube. Didn't plan on it. It was random. It was impromptu. Didn't plan on it. And what's funny is I still see some people every now and again in the stream that were in that very first stream. And I was shocked because I had 80 people watching. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is like, I have a super small channel and I have, I have one tenth more or less of my subscriber base watching me live right now. And obviously there were new people there too, but that's kind of what prompted me to get into streaming. And here we are now. I've done over 500 streams on YouTube. I consider myself one of the elder statesmen on that platform. It's often the the overlooked platform when it comes to streaming, but I do think there's a lot of amazing things for it. But that's kind of what led me to where I am right now. And you know, here we are. I, I'm excited for the growth that I've had. I'm, I'm always appreciative of it. But I'm also, too, I'm balancing that with wanting to do more. I want to do more. I want to be able to reach more. I want to be able to share more as much as I can, both in-game, both mindset, attitude, and outlook. Very cool. And you know, the one thing that we really appreciate about you is that one, your level of professionalism is very, very high. But two, the level of passion that you put forth in your content and your ability to help other guardians, you're one of the most positive individuals in our community. And not everyone is that positive. And, and we appreciate that. And we appreciate you for what you do in destiny well and and I, I appreciate that big time it's 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 something that i want to be a takeaway it's right now the one thing that we often comment is we enjoy this game right we enjoy this game we all have our our stories about it right everyone has their their raid story not getting gallahorn everybody has their famous story that they have with their buddy getting something and they didn't get it like these are the things that kind of bring us together that shared commonality and let's face it at the end of the day Right now, we're playing a video game. Uh, video games are meant to be a form of entertainment, are meant to be something to give you enjoyment and something to kind of give you an escape as well. So I want my streams to be that kind of atmosphere where we are enjoying something that we have in common. We're, we're sharing that together. We're operating in a safe space. We want to make sure that people feel welcomed and included. I do my best to read what people are saying. I know oftentimes I miss that, but luckily for me, I have, I have an incredible group of moderators and an incredible group of people that watch my stream that oftentimes make up for my slack because at the end of the day you know really it's me is like the background for my stream it's it's more so everybody there they are the they're the attraction i'm just a guy running around throwing bad grenades and, and making jokes and laughing to myself half the time <laughs> awesome so josie the last 12 months have been really really crazy to say the least I'm curious, what were some highlights for you in Destiny over the course of the last year? That's a that's a good question. I think for me, the in-game, I would say the Almighty event was was probably the coolest thing. It's been my it was my best stream ever as far as viewership goes. So I'm always appreciative of that, of, of being able to kind of reach, and that's one of the reasons why I like YouTube a lot, is because it gives you that uh, increased discoverability. I think in-game overall, it's been great because I've been able to play with a lot of people in the stream, obviously, doing different help stuff and things of that nature. But also, too, I've, I've found a better balance to be able to play with my friends and my family. And that that is important. It's the one downside. If I'm being honest, it's the one downside to streaming is if you want to get the most out of streaming, then you're going to be sacrificing some things. 
I mentioned the Whisper mission of how how much I love that mission. And a lot of that is because it was before I started streaming. And it was it was an unbridled enthusiasm, an unbridled excitement, no ulterior no ulterior gains as far as like having a good stream do well and things like that. It was me playing with friends and enjoying the game that we enjoyed for the past four years, right? So I think for me, one of my biggest enjoyments has been having a better balance and being able to do streams and satisfy that own individual need, I guess you could say, that I have, the, the desire I have, but also to blending that better, blending that well with playing with my clan and my friends and my family. And that's not an easy thing to do, too. And, you know, no, it, not at all. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of dedication. But it takes a positive attitude, you know, too, like yourself. Like, you know, and it's just it, that radiates onto people, too. And they, they can see that you're a positive person. And they, and they, they try to return it, you know, the favor, pay it forward. And everything is the best they can, you know. And it's like, it's great when things like that happen, you know. And it just, it makes everybody better for it i feel like too for sure i couldn't agree more very true and Josie, who inspires you as a content creator who inspires me as a content creator i want to joke and say man of war but let's be more serious here i think anybody who comes to my streams and watches my streams they inspire me on a daily basis they inspire me to do better in many ways, I think the people that come to my streams and, and more importantly, the people that stay in my streams are an extension of myself and, and they're better versions of me, right? There's things, we all share things in common and I think part of that is what attracts people together, but they share those things and they are better in many ways, right? So that's what makes me inspired to do better, to try to live up to the view or the person that I am in their eyes. And I think those are the people that, that inspire me to continue to want to perform, to achieve, to strive, to motivate, to do all those things that are extensions of what we're just doing, which is just playing a game. Very cool. Yeah. And is there one viewer who sticks out, sticks out to you as very special in the community that you've built? No, to be honest, uh, because if I if I singled out one name, it will be doing a disservice and an injustice to people who've supported me for so long. So to single out one person, I think would be uh, kind of missing the mark. I value and I appreciate anybody who's given me a chance. That's all you can ever ask for, right? Is you can only ever ask for a chance, right? And and based on what happens after that, that's all you can ever ask for at the very beginning. I've been very fortunate to have people in my streams who are kind, generous, motivated, professional, among the best of what they do. There's people in my streams who are amazing artists and are better at art than anything I am in my life. There are people in my streams who are extremely talented and accomplished professionals working at some of the most well-known companies. And I think for me to, to, to surround yourself with people like that is always going to help you become better at what you do and also too it's going to hold you more accountable because you're around people that you look up to respect and you want to impress and i think that that i hope goes both ways well said so i'm curious you've been playing destiny for a pretty long time why do you play destiny 
Well, that's a great question. I I love the game. Like this is a game. I've played this game more than any game I've ever played in my life. And there's a good chance that there will never be a game that I put more hours into than this game. And in fact, I would venture to say that that's pretty much a guarantee at this point. What I like the most is the friendships that I formed. Like this is a game. I said this the other day. Destiny is a game about fire teams and friendships. And the game's amazing. Like right now, I'm just playing Crucible, running around, jumping and shooting people. I'm playing by myself, right? But and this game can be really fun to do things by yourself. It's fun to explore and discover and all those things you can enjoy on your own. But where this game excels the most and where it, when it thrives the most is when you're playing with your friends and your family. And a lot of those are spontaneous connections. A lot of those things kind of happen seemingly at random. And, and there's people I play with now that I did not play with when Destiny 1 came out, whether it be meeting them through my stream, whether it be them introducing me to their family or their friends. And it's been something that, that has given me many nights of smiles, laughter, and joy. And that's what keeps me coming back to this game. Very cool. And Shadow Price, what about you? Why do you play Destiny? I'm curious. Because you dragged me. Because <laughs> I dragged him into it. That's great. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it, it's everything he said. You know, it's the fire teams, it's the friendships, it's, you know, the camaraderie that you have, the raids, the blue, the shooting, the, you know, the music, just... You get immersed in it. You know, it, yes, it does make you angry sometimes. You know, you get upset when you play it. Like, you know, I'm going through Crucible right now, like um, the freelance playlist. And I got all, I almost got the 5,000 glory. I was, you know, so close. And now I'm back down to 4,300 because I just, I don't know. I can't seem to find the right group of players who are randos all queuing up. And sometimes you get, the, you get good players. Sometimes you get not so good players. You know, it's the... It's RNG, baby. <laughs> it's all RNG. So I'm trying to, you know, get, what is it? Not forgotten before it is forgotten, before I won't be able to get it anymore. You know, so, I mean, that's like my goal in the game. But no, it's just all the, it's the friendships that you make. It's, you know, it, they're, they're, it has an amazing lore in the game too. And there is a great story, like, in the game, you know, and I feel like Bungie is getting better every year telling the story and hopefully get that in beyond light too so you know i'm just excited for what we have you know uh, to come so definitely that's why i play and i think for me destiny is probably the most cooperative game that i've played with my friends i think that the level of just fun that i have playing with my friends i don't think i ever had that much fun with any other game period and i think that destiny is the best way to spend time with your friends and i truly mean that like i would take destiny over any other game i would pick destiny over doing anything else with my friends you know i think that destiny brings people together in ways that no other game ever has whether it be going to Guardian Con, whether it be playing online, playing a raid for the very first time, experiencing that new content, exploring the worlds together with a fire team of your closest friends. And even if, especially now, we may not be together in person 
we can still hang out and do things together, even if we may be hundreds or thousands of miles apart. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really appreciate about Destiny. And that's why it's such a special game to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have two more months left in 2020. And man, it's been a crazy year. I'm curious. What are you most excited about going into the last 12 months of 2020 in the world of video games? So no doubt, obviously, it's this game. I cannot wait for everything that we've seen for Beyond Light. I, I am hopeful that the type of experience that we had when the Dreaming City came out, that the type of experience we had when the Dreadnought came out, that Europa can satisfy that same hunger and desire that this fan base has come to be known for. I hopeful, I'm hopeful that the Deepstone Crypt raid is the best raid in Destiny 2. And I think given the lore that, that has been shared with it so far, there's a strong chance that it could be right up there with Last Wish as far as giving you that, that penultimate experience for, for Destiny 2. I am also, too, I'm really excited about the Cosmodrome coming back. I think if there's a lot of people in this game, and, and the further we go from Destiny 1, the more likely it is that somebody never played Destiny 1. So for new light players, people getting into the game for the first time, or people who maybe only played D2, the fact that they're going to be able to drive around the same locations that we did back in D1, I think that's a really cool thing because it just gives, I think, the larger fan base a better overall appreciation for the roots of the game. We're all going to do that, right? All us veterans, we're going to pick up that new light quest and we're going to go on the Cosmodrome and play those missions and, you know, because it's just, that that is just that is what destiny was, you know, for us, mm -hmm. you know, that's how, what we remember that we took our first steps on the Cosmodrome. So, you know, it's like, it's, it, I, I'm definitely going to do it again. So, so, you know where I'm going when the Cosmodrome goes live, I'm going to go straight to that loot cave. As long as that area is open, <laughs> man, I'm going to go and see what's out there and hopefully get some Will Bungie revive legendary the loot. loot. Cave. Will they do it? They yeah, have to. I never use the loot cave for loot. I know people are going to say, they're going to say, no, you lying. No, I never, I never use the loot cave for loot. Believe me, guys, I, I'm telling the truth. I got suckered in and get my Cornholio. He's like, hey, <laughs> come on. We're, this, we're shooting into this cave. We've been doing it for two hours. You need to get on right now and do it. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> and six hours later, we were still there. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Yeah. I love how there was an etiquette when you got to the loot cave. You cannot step beyond a certain line. There's <laughs> there's etiquette you had to follow. <laughs> yep. Good times. And then we spent like countless hours trying to find other loot caves. You know, it's like, oh, they got this one. Where Where's the other ones? Oh, there was one in the Rocky Yard. I think I found one in the uh, Dreadnought one time too, actually before. So I think we just started making shit up at, at a certain point where it's like, yeah, we're just gonna make this into the new loot cave. Are we getting more loot than we normally would by just playing the game? Probably not. But you know what? It was an experience that we had, and it was fun. <laughs> we got some legendaries. 
nothing to you know really be too excited about. You know what I'm really excited for? I'm really excited for when Omnigol returns, and hopefully the Grasp of Malak will return as well. It's got it. It's got it, right? I it's think, got to. I think farming for the Grasp of Malak was probably the most fun that I had farming a strike. We had so much fun. I mean, we spent weeks trying to get that perfect roll with glass half full. And what was that other perk? Uh, it, was, it was like a stability perk. Yeah, it was I like think. a stability yeah, counter, perk. Yeah. Counterbalance or something like that, yeah. I think, honestly, it's like that's one of the things that's missing from, from Destiny 2. I, I don't quite know where it's steered in that direction, but it seemed like in Destiny 1 farming a strike for something was was more prevalent than it is now and and i i'm hopeful that somehow we can get back to that back to that that discovery or back to that just want to want to do something over and over again to get the perfect role for it right it would make me want to go back into the strike playlist because right now i i just yeah. can't be bothered by it <laughs> so well and that's a shame too because like there's a lot of small things that changed even even something as basic as strikes having strike intros and like listening as you flew in like those are small things but it added to the experience and i don't quite know why or, or how that changed if it was just something from a time investment standpoint to, to develop it but i do hope though that somehow we can get back to that because i think those those things are what shape ex experiences and I mean, this is a perfect example. I mean, you remember trying to go for that weapon, right? You remember playing Iron Banner to get Clever Dragon, and you remember mm -hmm. going through the strikes to get the the cool looking armor or the the, the Lago Loop. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All those fun things, right? So I, mm -hmm. I, I I'm hopeful that we can get back to that point, and and then maybe those things could satiate the appetite that we've lost when it comes to uh, ritual and pinnacle weapons being taken out. Maybe we can get back to that that strike loot and have that be the thing that is the motivator to to do some activities. Right. Yeah. Uh, just sweeten the the chase, you know, mm -hmm. incentivize sure. more. I feel like precisely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dan, you know, speaking of beyond of the Vault of Glass, I am so excited for the Vault of Glass. Oh my to god! Return. Yeah, Vogue. That's that's going to be insane. Thing. Are all yeah. the weapons going to come back? They got to. They absolutely have to. Like well, it, it's, it's not Vogue without the without the, without Fatebringer. It's not Vogue without Vision. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean the question is though, would they bring back the exotic versions of those? Maybe, maybe to have them as uh, primary, um, you know, uh, elemental primaries. Possibly. I mean, personally, I would love to see, and I know this is wishful thinking here because it's it would be a huge development cost, but I would love to see the Vault of Glass that comes out day one for the day one raid be significantly different than the original. So that otherwise it'd be difficult, I think, to have a, a an exciting Vault of Glass day one raid race. But if the reprise version was a massive change from the original, that I think would be really, really cool. And then what I would love to see as well, when the when the raid team who beats that first I think it'd be so cool if right when that happens, Vault of Glass classic mode is unlocked and then yes. that's a carbon copy of D. Yes. Yes. And maybe, yes. Well so then, and then maybe they could have in the old school raid, they could put some of the weapons, and then in the reprise version they could put some of the adept weapons, right? 
so maybe hard mode loot goes into the new one and old school one has the old school loot. like i think that'd be really cool just just to just to give a new experience and make the day one raid race more exciting and also to just kind of give a, a, a new flavor to it but then also as well hey let's pay homage to the raid that started it all and and many for many people myself included that still remains the best raid because of everything that they did right everything they did with that raid was pretty much spot on so if we could give that experience to new new players as well who maybe never got to do it while also satisfying the old school players who want something new i think that would be the best best blend to it and and i'm hopeful that that's how they, they go about doing it but i guess we'll see yes absolutely i was you took the words right out of my mouth i was gonna say yeah have both versions come when they bring it but I like your idea. I really do. I think that's that's brilliant. It'd be exciting, right? Because then, like, the team who beats it, like, boom, then right away, it's a, it's almost, it's not quite like Dreaming City and Last Wish, where when they took down Riven and they beat that, it was, boom, the curse starts, right? It was a an in-game, tangible impact from that team beating the raid, which is, like, that's, that's amazing. This wouldn't quite be like that, because we're not going to have, like, an in-game thing that changes, but... By the same token, we're getting a really cool thing right away as soon as the team beats that, right? So I think it'd be cool if they went about that. I don't know how much the development cost would be. I got to imagine that I got to imagine that with anything they did for Vault of Glass or, or doing for Vault of Glass, it took more or less taking the screenshot from D1 and then kind of dragging it over. Like I, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I'm thinking that no matter what they did to Vault of Glass, it took with that basic foundation first. So... What I'm saying is keep that basic foundation, build your new thing, and then have that basic foundation ready to go when, when some team beats it so that we can have both experiences. And honestly, like when it comes to the game having some more content, I don't think anybody's going to complain if there's two versions of all the glass that you could do. Nope, you won't see it from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. So, yeah. But when do you think Vault of Glass is going to come out? Because it's sometime in year four, but... Is that going to be towards the end of year four? I, or it, maybe the middle? <clears throat> you know, when do you think it's going to come out? See, I'm thinking like March or April. I'm, yeah. That's the that's my guess. I May is the latest. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Shadow. That, that'd be kind of cool though, right? Because then, you know, Vault of Glass coming out. Imagine if Vault of Glass, for instance, came out right at the start of Season of Arrivals. Like, that would have made this particular season much more palpable for the audience having it extended like it was. If all the glass was available right now, people would be having a blast right now. You know what I mean? So if they if they can kind of help, if they can use Vault of Glass to bridge the gap between the end of Beyond Light and the start of Witch Queen, that might be the best way of going. Yeah, no, I think 100%. I think you're right, and I think you know perhaps giving us two versions of the raid could be wishful thinking because I don't know if Bungie is able to do all that mm -hmm. i think that in a way we have to set our expectations appropriately because bungie is on their own and before they had the support of other developers other studios now it's bungie publishing their own game releasing their own content so i think there are challenges that they face and i think that's partially why the Cosmodrome is not coming back in one shot. It's going to be brought back in phases. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they reintroduce the Vault of Glass for me. 
I would love to get Vex Mythoclast back. And if it's really broken like it was when it first came out, awesome. I would love that. I would love a broken Vexed Mythoclast that is destroying in the Crucible because let's face it, Destiny is not a pro-competitive esports game. It's not. No. No, and I think right. that's okay. I think that is really okay. So I'm excited to potentially get a broken Vex class so I can finally GG again in the Crucible. Maybe. We'll see if that happens. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they introduce the Vault of Glass back because are all the encounters going to be exactly the same? If they are, I don't think so. that's going to create, you know, an unfair advantage for the veteran players. Right. But yeah, I, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to implement this. Because I'd love to see different areas of the Vault of Glass that we maybe haven't explored yet. And new bosses that we get to fight. And maybe, again, that's too much to ask for. But, you know, one can only dream. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think overall, the the experience for that raid, they have to capture the same type of atmosphere that I had when it first came out. So that gives a, a challenge, right? Because you don't want to deviate too far from that because it's, it's the raid that people know and love. By the same token, though, too, you don't want to have the, the raid be an exact carbon copy because the Redeem Clan is going to beat that raid in 45 minutes then, right? You know, if if, if it's an, an exact same copy as it was before, the challenge is completely gone. That's why I'd love to see them do two versions. Old school, same exact thing it was, and then new school, completely different. Uh, I don't know if it'd be maybe enemies are taken or what have you. And also, too, like, the, like you mentioned, what's the timing of it? Because this could be something that, that bridges the gap between Beyond Light and Witch Queen, and really we get to see... Perhaps Sabathun's in there messing around, taking things, and maybe Atheon taking version. Who knows? That would be really interesting. And, you know, I'm also curious, how is Bungie going to tie in the story of reintroducing the Vault of Glass? I mean, there's going to be a story behind it. I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to be, you know, here's Vault of Glass, enjoy it. There's going to be a story of why it came back and it's going to be really yeah, interesting like, to see how mm -hmm. that all comes together yeah it's like why we have to go back to the vault of glass um i'm sure it, it, there is some sort of existential reason like we got to fix something in the timeline or something so it's some possibility like that so i'm curious are we going to be using warlocks in the new vault of glass raid and you know what I'm talking about, Shadow Price. <laughs> yeah, if you guys know. Are we going to be using Warlocks in the new raid? Is that going to give us an advantage? Well, I mean, self-res isn't there. So, you know, mm. are you going to be using a Warlock? <laughs> Unless they decide to bring it back, you know, like next year. Like, say, oh, we're bringing back self-res. <laughs> just for, I guess for the Vault of Glass. Just for Atheon. So we can experience the oh, so we can tipping off the Atheon okay. off the oh, ledge right. one more time. <laughs> I, I guess the question is, like, why did they take Self-Res out to begin with? I don't know. Maybe they just thought people crutched it too much. <laughs> Some, a lot of people used it. You know, it was like the 
most heavily used, like probably super. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I think it was you know. very abused, and I think that it also created a lot of potential but it exploitation. Hero moments. A lot of hero moments. It did, you know. but it also allowed you to exploit the game in yeah, very true. unique ways. You know, I mean, if you had a warlock, I mean, do you remember Crota's End? Everybody dies, but the warlock, you know, self reses and then true. the entire environment is just broken, and it broke the raid encounter. The second part of the Crota's End, yeah, it was broken. Yeah, and I got to imagine that those problems on console are one thing, but adding that layer onto PC would probably exacerbate it quite a bit where it'd be even more problematic of players using it to glitch into certain spots. That's a really good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. And, you know, you brought up a really great point that, you know, we'll be playing the Vault of Glass for the very first time on PC. Man, I'm excited. That's going to be a really, really exciting... Even on the the new console, 60 frames 4K. Oh, my God. (sighs) I can't wait. So, so exciting. Mm-hmm. So, well, no. I guess the question then is, do you think that, sorry to cut you off, do you think that with Vault of Glass coming back, that they're going to bring back the entire planet uh, of Venus as well, or is it going to be in a different location? Oh, I hope they bring back Venus. I just, that's my favorite location. Like, I love Venus from E1. Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I it's, it's possible they could bring it in another location, you mm-hmm. know, there's there's talk that it could be on Nessus or something um, for some portal. Sure. Um, but, you know, I would like them to bring back Venus, like some sort of playable part of playable Venus. Be able to at least drive around in the Sparrow a little bit and shoot some of the Vex over there. Well, just it, for the, uh, the the feels. It know? kind mm-hmm. of looks like Bungie is going to release the old content during seasons and that's how they're going to approach seasonal content which i would not mind that's essentially why they're creating the dcv the destiny content vault so they can bring locations back and they did mention that they're going to be bringing other locations back the greatest hits so i can see i can see king's fall coming back for sure um yeah even wrath yeah well and i think that's that's the way they're going right where i Honestly, I imagine that some of the internal conversations have been some regret or in hindsight, should we have just kept Destiny going, D1 going throughout, right? So you would have had Destiny, the Red War, Destiny, the uh, Rides of Iron. Like it would have, you, would have kept, you would have kept with that mantra, right? So by fracturing the game, Destiny and Destiny 2, there, there's been a lot of things that were left behind, right? So now what's happening is some of our fan favorites, Vault of Glass here, the Omegle Strikes, Epix Prime, all of those things, or some of those really, really fun things, are being brought back into the game. So to me, it seems like it's just going to be a natural progression that when Witch Queen comes out, we're going to have Crota Raid come back, and perhaps even King's Fall come back that same year. And then when Lightfall comes out, probably have Wrath the Machine come, come back. So to me, it's shaping up where all of those raids from D1 are going to be brought back to D2 on a cycle that aligns with the other major things coming out. And I think it's great from a dev standpoint. Obviously, I've never dev or made video games, but I think from a development standpoint, it's really cool because 
we can get the major new raid at the start of the season. So beyond light, we have our Deep Stone Crypt raid. And then at some point throughout the remainder of the year, we have a fan favorite raid come back. Likewise, Witch Queen comes out, mm-hmm. boom, Savathun raid. Hey, what would go great with a Savathun raid? Well, maybe we couple that with the Crota, Crota raid as well as with the Oryx raid. That would kind of blend all those experiences together well to give you a, a very comprehensive view over what really has been a story six, seven years in the making. Crota leading to Oryx, leading ultimately to Sabathun. And then we get to Lightfall, and I don't know how Wrath of the Machine would fit into that, but I throw it in there anyway because it's a fun raid. So I think that's a great way of doing it. New raid at the start of the of the, uh, of the the year with the major DLC. Sprinkle in raids that we know and love. Hey, I'll be honest with you guys. Give me Vault of Glass. Give me Wrath of the Machine. Give me Crota over Spire Stars any day of the yes. week. I'd rather have stuff that's great. Don't give me something new that, that is that is lackluster. Give me something that's great, even if it is a more or less copy-paste version of it. But we know there's things are going to change with it too. So it's like of course. you know mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to sure. put that new spin, that new coat of paint on it. And I'll be honest with you, I really want to see Poe come back too. The best three-man activity. Yeah, the Prison of Elders. Yeah, that was great. Yep. It was great. Yep. Like everything yep. about even even the dialogue, right? When a, a boss was coming in, hearing Barracks say who it was, like, that was cool. Like, it was fun to do that. And let's be honest here. There's there's not many three-player activities you can do to really enjoy, right? So if they brought that back, it'd be a nice way to say, instead of playing strikes or what have you, doing patrols, let's go into PoE and do that. I, I think it'd be a nice thing to bring back for people to enjoy. And, and honestly, again, I'm not, not many people or not as many people as some might think, played Prison of Elders. So if you didn't play Destiny back. 1, you did not play Prison of Elders. You didn't play it, right? So bring it back. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think to this day, the Prison of Elders is probably one of the toughest um, game activities. Skolas, yeah. yeah. Skolas was yeah. intense. And you know what? It wasn't even Skolas himself. It was everything else around him that just... You couldn't escape it. It was so, so brutal. I mean, I remember we spent six hours trying to beat it, and then we still didn't beat it, and man, it was so disheartening. But uh, it was so fun to finally beat it, and I think that it is the ultimate experience when you can play that with your friends, and it's a three-person endgame activity. And I think we really underestimated how much fun it was because we were a little salty about the fact that we were not getting a raid that season. Mm-hmm. We were all expecting yeah. a raid and mm-hmm. overall the community was not happy that we didn't get a raid. But yeah. looking back in hindsight, I think Prison of Elders was a very special experience that Bungie created and I think they have a ton of opportunities to bring it back, to make it fun and different every single week. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see if they actually bring that back and i think they will no you're right too because really looking back at it now like at the time i was like man there's no new raid but looking back at it now it's like man we had a we put a lot of time into there there was there was good loot as well right getting that final chest was always exciting and for the player like there's there's a portion of this player base who loves really difficult activities right that's what they want they want really challenging things they want stuff that you can't just kind of plow through and beat really easily Skolas was that. Skolas was 
honestly, you could compare beating Skullis to beating a hard mode raid because mm-hmm. your team had to be on point. You had to know the encounter. You had to have the right loadout. You couldn't just jump in there with, with basic gear. You had to have a really good setup to take him down and a really good strategy. So your experience is not uncommon where it took hours to beat him, but it was it was rewarding just from the simple completion standpoint of getting it done, not to mention any cool that you got afterwards as well. So I thought looking back at it now, that was really a home run, even though at the time when you're comparing it to getting a raid, it's, uh, it's not going to quite measure up from that standpoint, but it was just as fun, I think, and just as rewarding for the player base looking back at it now in hindsight. Yeah, I looked back on it very fondly. I, I had mm-hmm. I enjoyed my time so much playing Prison of Elders. Like, at first, yeah, it, it, it did seem disheartening not getting a raid, but when I look back on that activity, I, I had so much fun in it. You know, I just, I, I don't know what it was. It was just, the, everything just, like, felt so good. Like, the, the enemy variety... And things like that and the bosses the bosses were super tough yeah and i think part of it was having that weekly rotation of different bosses that you fought and the different um burns that we had to strategically plan to to overcome so mm-hmm. i think that created a level of you know fun and excitement in that activity but also i think that it was a lot easier to just go in and play because you don't need to gather six people at the same time who can commit you know crazy amount of time to play this activity so it was easier to just dive in with three other people there was a form of matchmaking for the easier versions of it so i think that you know it was it was a really fun activity that we i think underestimated at that time that i i think i think we're gonna get it back and Mm -hmm. it might not happen for maybe a year maybe two but i think eventually they're gonna bring that back as part of a future season agreed so i gotta ask we're gonna we're gonna pivot just a little bit josie what is your favorite food and why (sighs) um good question i mean i like I like most food, to be honest. I like more of the mainstays. Yeah, obviously, I love pizza, love sushi, um, love Colombian food. I pretty much any food I, I enjoy. You like spicy ramen? I I like spicy a little bit. I'm not like super into spicy, but spicy ramen I can get down with. Yeah, I can get down with all that sushi, especially. Oh yeah, it's, that's the thing. It's it's just enjoying good cuisine is always always a, a wonderful thing to do mm-hmm. have you yeah. had a chance to go anywhere during this like pandemic like eat out anywhere like outside like i oh, went to a lot man. of outdoor like uh restaurants where i ate outside yeah i I've very very little of the outdoor dining um just trying trying to stay as safe as i can i have gone out for a few outdoor dining um things but it's been very few and far in between here over the last what nine months yeah. So, mm-hmm. what about you, Corn? Um, I mean, I think that's pretty easy for me. It would have to be sushi is probably my ultimate favorite food. Yeah, because, it's your fault. No, I mean, you know, that's that's <laughs> kind of my go-to of all the things that I could have. Uh, so I'm gonna say sushi is probably my favorite. Now recording. Um, hey, Deej came back. Deej came back. Hey, Deej. <laughs> um, but I would say beyond that, um, I really like pizza, although I 
I moved to Florida since uh, last year, so I don't really get pizza that's as good as New York style pizza. But I mean, you know, comparing New York pizza to anywhere else, it's kind of unfair. Sure. Um, but I like almost anything. You know, I mean, I like all types of food, but I would say my favorite would have to be sushi. That's usually my default go to. Which is why we pay homage to the uh, weekly update in form of spicy tuna rolls. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. And what are you most excited about with the release of Destiny 2 Beyond Light? I think overall it would probably be the raid just because we haven't gotten a new one since GOS, right? And while I like Garden of Salvation, I'm not overly blown away by it. And my hope is that the Deepstone Crypt Raid is, is much, much better. I, I want to see something on the scale of The Last Wish, both in terms of the of the length. I think some of the best raids are ones where you had multiple cool boss fights, and, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get that for Deepstone Crypt. I think just the location of it's going to be great. We've learned a lot about those locations whether it be through the the, the different trials that we have here in d2 or to, to quote wacko bandit a good friend of mine the the grimoire from destiny one there's a lot of these things that kind of have have mentioned this location the fact that now here we are six seven years later that we'll be able to go to this place i think it's gonna be really cool and who knows what kind of secrets are going to await both in the raid as well as kind of out outside in europa in general Will we find a lot of things, a lot of secrets there too, whether it be things uh, relating to the Exos, maybe something to do with Cade 6, who knows how that's going to shape out. But uh, that's what I'm looking forward to most is the raid. Uh, and then I guess right alongside that is a new location. Yeah, it, I think it's going to feel like how the Dreadnought felt when we um, explored it, the Dreadnought, and mm -hmm. looked for all the calcified fragments and to put together a touch of malice. And, you know, so it's like, I'm excited for that again. I'm excited for the exploration and the wonder yes. and, and the like live weather, the active like weather in the game. I'm super excited for that real time weather. But, yeah. Like, same here. Like that's yeah. the one thing, but even though shadow keep has been fun and getting the moon back was really cool and it looked a little bit different. It was still very much the same location as V1, right? Yeah. Here. Now we're going to a brand new place. There is going to be the, the dynamic weather. So right away, I think that's going to satiate people a bit better is having that, hey, where, what can we find next? What discovery are, are we going to find? It's going to be the like the Taken King. King. Remember, yeah. every week there was something else uncovered and discovered. Yeah, Actually, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just hope we get a snow angel emote to use. Oh yeah. Actually makes your character lay down to make snow angels. That'd be kind of cool. That will be epic. <laughs> and I think we're going to get it in the dawning. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think for me, I'm excited about so many things with beyond light because in a way it's a technological advancement with the game where Bungie will have the opportunity to do things that they were never able to do before. It's going to be really cool to see how the environment affects everything else because now the technology is so far ahead that I think the game will no longer be held back by older mm -hmm. technology that cannot handle some of the things that 
we wanted in the game. It's going to be a lot yep. more immersive. And during the Vidoc, the developers actually went on record to say that the new destination with Europa is going to be the most incredible destination they created from an artistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a pretty massive destination. So it's going to be really cool to see what they're able to give us with something completely new. We're not just going back to the moon that we remember from many years back. We're going to a whole new place with new stories. Finally, we'll get a chance to see Aldrin come back. I mean, he killed one of the most beloved characters in the game. How is everyone going to react to this? It's going to be interesting to see Zavala interact with, with, uh, with that character and, and to see how all of the characters tie together and, and how the story progresses. It's going to be really cool. And we have the Deepstone Crypt. That's going to be a really cool destination to explore and to play the new endgame activity and the new raid. So I'm very excited about that. I'm really excited about the Cosmodrome coming back. It's it's kind of more exciting for me than just getting Shadow Keep because with Shadow Keep we pretty much got the moon back, right? And here, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. only are we getting a returning destination from D1 where it all began, but we're also getting a whole new destination that we've never explored before, but we heard so much about it. We yep. knew about Europa in Destiny 1. We knew that it existed. And we also have a lot of characters coming back, right? We have the Exo Stranger. We have Prince Aldrin coming back. We're going to see how the Drifter plays a role in all of this. And Varix, you know... It's going to be really, really fun, and I truly believe that it's going to be unlike any other time in Destiny, and I'm so excited. I feel like it's a return of the the franchise of what we like, what we grew to love, like mm-hmm. you know, it's, and they're just like doubling down on it now, you know, and that yeah. that's what makes me really excited about it. I'm curious, do you guys think? So obviously, Europe is going to be its destination. Do you think that Deepstone Crypt will be a standalone destination that you can fast travel to and explore? Or is that strictly going to be a subset of Europa? Is that strictly going to be a, a raid location? I would love to see it be its own standalone place. And really, actually, what we're getting then would be Europa as a new location to fast travel to. And then Deepstone Crypt, a subset, but a, a location that you can fast travel to, each with its own lost sectors and things of that nature uh, in its own respect. I could totally see that, actually. Yeah. Kind of like after we beat the raid, like the location opens up. Well, because we had Tangled Shore and Dreaming City with Forsaken, right? So, mm-hmm. like, that was, and obviously Tangled Shore was a pretty big big location, and Dreaming City, you know, best location probably in Destiny history. So, could we get that same type of distinction? Europa has a bunch of places to explore, and then Deepstone Crypt its own subset, maybe a bit smaller, right? Maybe a bit smaller, but it has its own location complete with patrols and everything else that you can imagine a standalone destination having. That's what people were hoping Leviathan would have been, you know, even though you were able to go in the underbelly, you know, of, you know, everything. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see that. I could see that happening, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it would be really, really cool for them to make... Uh, the Deepstone Crypt, its own destination. 
Uh, I mean, think about the Dreaming City and and what that was. And granted, I think in a way that was kind of a missed opportunity because they could have done so much more with it, right? They could have made it literally the destination that that you explore. That's part of the end game, and everything is just more challenging with filled with amazing rewards. I think they have a lot of opportunities with it, and I hope that it's its own destination. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to actually make it mm-hmm. sustainable from a development standpoint because sure. we do know that Bungie is on their own. Right, and and I believe, didn't Luke Smith say as much, right, uh, as far as what our, just to level set our expectations, that the Beyond Light DLC and season and overall kind of roadmap for, for this year, year four, is going to be bigger than Shadowkeep was, but not to expect it to be as big as Forsaken. And given the resourcing, given that they're more or less kind of doing everything on their own, that we really can't realistically expect any DLC to ever match the size, scale, and scope that we saw with Forsaken. I think the quality is going to be on par with Forsaken, though. It may not be as big as Forsaken, but I think that quality is going to be there. Sure. So, I mean, if if the if if right now, if you know, this time a month from now, we're looking back at it, we've played the new raid, and we can say, man, that raid, that's that Deepstone Crypt raid is right up there at last last wish. If we can look back and say, you know, the same type of discovery we we experienced with Dreaming City and the wonder and the all, we had that with Europa albeit it's not quite as big, but it's still giving you that same type of wow factor. And if we can maybe perhaps get something not quite like a dungeon, you know, I know we probably won't be getting a new dungeon, but maybe we get a new mission like Whisper Outbreak. Then I think if those three things, if we can check off all those boxes, I think the vast majority of the fan base will give Beyond Light, the, the season of the hunt, two thumbs up. Absolutely. Yeah, well, well said. And, I mean, I'm going to go into this expansion with a positive outlook. I want to set my expectations appropriately. So I'm not expecting what we got with Forsaken. It's not realistic based on where Bungie was back there and the level of support they had outside of their own development team. And while, in a selfish way, I would love to see Bungie collaborate with other studios to be able to bring us more content. And I mean, who wouldn't, right? Every Destiny fan wants a bigger, richer Destiny experience. But I think with where the game is, where the team is in their development cycle and what they're able to produce, I think that it's going to be exciting, but we do have to set appropriate expectations. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's, that's okay. We don't have to have the largest game with endless activities. Sometimes it's okay to take a break and come back to it. And Luke Smith did that last week in the interview. He set the expectations. You know, he, he said it's not going to be as big as uh, Forsaken, but it's going to be bigger than Shadowkeep. You know, he was very truthful mm-hmm. and honest about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the question then becomes, like, how how did the delay for season of the arrivals how is that going to impact the release schedule for next year if if beyond light is a bit shorter i mean i think it's going to be jam-packed with content there it looked like from the roadmap is going into early february i believe 
So I think maybe we're at this at this point now we're going to be having everything more or less kind of two months not delayed but two months behind I guess. And if if we can have a significant piece of content and it looks like we're getting that right new raid new location those two things alone I think are going to take up a lot of our time. But can they sustain that moving forward? as we go into the, the entirety of year four, it, you know, taking out, out of consideration things like Water Glass, what else can they add that's new, whether it be secret missions? Like I find those secret missions to be the best content in the game. Like you can make the case that the, the Outbreak quest, the Whisper quest, Black Spindle, like Bandit just mentioned, those I think are the pieces of content that are just as memorable of anything in the game and the fact that we haven't got one of those now in a year and a half that's the one thing if i if i could look to one thing to be most disappointed about when it comes to the content in the game it's not having one of those and i know they've got to be really tough to make but if we can get one of those at some point during the season of the hunt i think it's a home run for the season yeah, I personally had so much fun in the whisper mission and the outbreak mission and those were really, really fun experiences that actually encouraged me to go out and buy the skin from Eververse just to sure. support them, just because of how cool Good that order. content was. I mean, think about this. They actually released the soundtrack for the Whisper mission. I mean, that's how impactful it was. Mm-hmm. Where do you see a game release its own dedicated soundtrack for a mission that they introduced in the game. And not only that, but correct me if I'm wrong, but the Twitch numbers were off the charts when those missions came out. Everyone was hyped about the new Destiny content. We didn't expect it. It came out of nowhere, and it was amazing rewards that we were able to acquire from these missions. So it was really worth playing these things. And not only that, but I think there was a lot of depth I mean, who remembers Trevor? I'm mm-hmm. still terrified of Trevor. I still get nightmares. Well, and that's that's the draw, right? Because like you mentioned, these are things that somehow eluded the grasp of the data miners. And, you know, the fact that they were able to keep those things so close to the vest and that nobody knew about these things. And you couple that with that they're fun missions, they're they, they satisfy the bit of being challenging, right? I don't care who you are. Nobody on that day, whether it be the, the best players in the world who have world's first raid belts, nobody beat that mission their very first try, right? So you're, you're talking about content that is challenging, rewarding, fun to do. You have the, the wow factor of it being a surprise. And then also, too, of course, you're getting good loot. I mean, Whisper and Outbreak being two of the better weapons in the game and being very valuable for certain encounters which is what they should be. So I want to see more of that. I, I really hope that we get one of those. I've been saying that for the last few seasons, and, and I, I, I know they have to be really tough to make. But by the same token as well, I remember when Outbreak came out and they did a, a summary of it, they basically more or less said that the ornament sales from Whisper funded the development costs for Outbreak. And I've got to imagine that there's been a lot of similar type revenue gained from the outbreak and then some residual income from Whisper that I would hope could be reallocated to an experience like a 20 minute mission, as opposed to some of the other stuff that we've get that we've gotten that hasn't quite.
quite deliver that same type of impact for the player base. I gotta play Outbreak a few more times before it goes away. Yeah, oh, I know. Like, I've done the missions mm. a few times, and they're they're super fun to do. Maybe this weekend we'll have to dive in and play it again for one last time. No, I I hear you, and it's I I'll be honest with you as well. I'm surprised that they're taking them out of the game. I know the, I know the plans are going away, but like, do we always need to have a storyline that's, that's congruous? Like. I don't mind if Io's gone. Let me still play Outbreak. You know, I, 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 do, we, do we really need to have that planet being gone to say, well, you can't do this mission anymore? Like, I, I feel, especially too, because both of those were available for New Light players. And I know Outbreak's a bit different because there are some prerequisites that you had to do in order to get the mission unlocked. But I would, I would have loved seen, to see them keep the missions in the game and just be something that any player could access directly from orbit to enjoy not just for the loot involved but because the experience is so there yeah no i think you're totally right and it maybe you know we will get those missions back in the not too distant future because just because something is going away right now does not mean Mm -hmm. that it can't come back later on but for me, I would be really curious to see what they're what they're able to produce that's brand new. I want new yep. exotic. I want new secret missions that bring that excitement back that we had with the sure. Whisper mission and the Outbreak mission. So I think on that note, it's a good segue to talk a little bit about Bungie and how they've evolved since the split up from Activision. Which, ironically, that was our very first episode of the podcast. But we know that Activision and Bungie split up. Is Destiny a better game because of this? No. The, I don't... Looking at it objectively. Looking at strictly the game. Because talking about is Destiny better overall for the company is a different conversation completely. But looking strictly at Destiny, the game, the game had better content when they had the support of Activision and those studios. And I don't, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. If you look at Shadowkeep, Season of the Dawn, Season of the Worthy, and Season of the Rivals, you can make the case that 100% Forsaken was better than Shadowkeep. And you can make the case that Season of the Forges, Season of the Drifter, and Season of Opulence were better than Worthy, Dawn, and Arrivals, respectively. Now, some of that may, may be subjective and left to own opinions and interpretations, but by and large, though, the level of content and quality and the amount of content that we got was greater when they had additional resources. And that's honestly pretty common sense to think about when they took those things away you have limited time, limited resources, not to mention the fact that people are working from home. So all those challenges have led to there not quite being as much content in the game. And I think the thing we just talked about with there not being a 20-minute mission since Outbreak came out 18 months ago bears that out. So in my opinion, looking strictly at the game, I think the game was better for the players. The game was better when Activision was giving the support 
via Vicarious Visions and High Moon Studios. So that's just my opinion. I'm not saying that the game is bad now. I still love the game. I still play the game just as much. But in my own experience, in my own opinion, I thought the content was a greater level of quality and the amount of content was greater when they had that support. Let's, <clears throat> let's be honest, you know, uh, they were there in Destiny 1 Activision when, you know, Destiny 1 came out mm-hmm. right there, you know, so it's like, yeah, I, you, I agree. You know, I feel like we did have, you know, a better game a lot of times, you know. Now, with Beyond Light coming out, we get to really see Bungie flex, you know. what mm-hmm. we, we get mm-hmm. to see what they are capable of, you know, because this is, I feel like, their true, on-their-own development, you know, with mm-hmm. no, no outside help or anything. Um, so that, that, that's where I, I, I stand with it. Well, and that's, that's a good point. You raise a good point because... The first year, you know, that's a, that's a transition year, and you have you're learning new ways of working. You're you're learning where to assign different tasks, resources, all of those things, right? So a lot of what's happened during the Shadow Keep year, it's an adjustment period, and and it makes sense that it would take teams a while to get spun up. Not even factoring in the challenges that we've had with the pandemic and people working from home. So to your point, yes, you can make the case that. With Beyond Light, this is the this is the the honeymoon period's over at this point now. Here is what we should expect moving forward in terms of the content that we can get from Bungie on a seasonal basis here for Beyond Light moving forward. And and I think it's it's fair to say, well, let's let's wait and see how this year pans out. But again, though, I I do think that. When you look back at, we know what they produced when they had the support of Activision and, and that backing. And we know the the amount of content that we got from that time period. So, and as much as, as was said in the interview, it's been confirmed that we really can't expect to get that amount of content, that scale and scope that we saw with some of our favorite things in years past. But I, like, number one, I love the game. I will always play this game. That's we talked about that. It's been my most played game ever. But just in my own personal opinion, I think the game was a bit better overall when there was more studios working on it. Yeah, I think you really hit it right on. And I agree. I think that, you know, there are some disadvantages of having Activision, obviously. I think some of those were, you know, cutting the game up into smaller bite-sized pieces but even then you can argue that that was still more content than what we're getting now and i would prefer that i personally did not have much of an issue with destiny one being released by you know having vanilla destiny and then having a season pass to me i think regardless it was a great value for what we got and looking back in hindsight i think for me personally I prefer that model to the seasonal model that we have now. I think that, you know, what we're getting now is the consequence of Bungie not having its own publisher. Now, for me personally, I don't want Bungie to be involved in publishing. I don't think that a studio should have to do that. I think that you have other dedicated support groups that can handle those things better so that the developers can really focus in on what they're very good at, which is creating the games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw with 
Shadow Keep the consequence of Destiny being on their own, you know, and I think that we are getting a smaller version of what we could have gotten if Activision was involved and we did have High Moon Studios involved and you know, having the extra developer support, which really made a huge difference. And I think we underestimated that. I do think we also have some disadvantages to having Activision involved because one, you know, I think there were issues relating to creative control. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why Bungie lost Joseph Staten. And that's why they lost Marty O'Donnell because of Mm -hmm. the issues that occurred with Activision and some of the challenges they had with that and also with, you know, exclusivity of content that we got with PlayStation. I think that was unfortunate, but even then I would have preferred that over what we have now with Seasons. And while it's unfortunate, I will always love Destiny. It's always going to be my favorite game and I will appreciate and I will play any content they release. Um, And I hope in the future they're able to get more developer support from outside studios or, you know, build a bigger team so they can better support Destiny as a franchise and as a live service game. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said. I mean, there's there's always going to be pluses and minuses to it from from all the things outside of the players actually playing the game, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm always going to be fully supportive of creating and maintaining a workplace environment where people feel valued, respected, and that they can contribute and voice their own opinions. And let's face it here, an employee who is excited about what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, who has the autonomy to deliver value and, and excel in their level and their area of expertise, that's going to increase the likelihood of them staying. That's going to increase the likelihood of them maintaining that same passion and desire that they may have had when they started on the project. And ultimately, for us as the player base and the fan base, we want that to be the case because we want them to continue making the content that we do on a daily, a nightly basis with our friends and our family. So I think that it's always going to be paramount. That's always going to be the the number one thing at the forefront is having that be the thing that takes priority and precedence over anything else. Um, and, and I think moving forward here, we know what we've gotten this last year. It stands to reason that what we'll get in the next 12 months is going to be even better. And I think just maintaining that type of hope and positivity, I think is always going to be important. Yeah. And, you know, we can always hope for more or, you know, think about what could have been, but mm-hmm. sometimes you got to realize that, you know, life is too short it's a video game and yep. they're doing their best. And I try to not be critical of Bungie as much as I can, you know, and I know it's not perfect. Nothing in life ever is. But I think when you look at the big picture with what Bungie was able to create with Destiny and the community that they're able to foster each and every day, I think it's amazing. It's really inspiring to see what Bungie is able to accomplish with the resources that they have. And I mean, think about this. Bungie is the largest indie studio in the world. And they are producing content on a really massive level. It's not easy to produce seasonal content, but then also produce a large expansion each and every year. So there's 
credit you have to give them at the same time with what they're doing and all on their own on top of publishing their own game. So they're doing Agreed. really great work. Yeah, I, I echo those sentiments. Tremendous credit and, and props to everybody, whether it be the community managers, to the artists, to the, the, the development team. They all deserve credit, recognition, and our adulation because ultimately they're the ones who are shaping and forming this experience that allow us to make these friendships, make these memories, and, and have these discussions together. And I think that's always going to be something we have to be appreciative of. So, Josie, on that note, I'm curious, what is next for you? <sighs> uh, good question. I mean, honestly, for me, I, I would love to look ahead in the future and, and think, hey, where can my channel be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? And, and I'm hopeful that it'll continue to, to grow and continue to become something that people want to enjoy and, and uh, partake in together. But I think overall, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to looking at, you know, the next week, next two weeks, the next month or two, see how the next season goes and, and try to keep building upon our successes. Like I, I can't change what I did yesterday. I can only change and influence what I'm thinking right now and what I'm going to do tomorrow. So if I can keep moving forward with that belief and mindset and have the approach of, hey, let's make things incremental, walk, don't run, try to focus on improving myself as a person, as a creator, as a streamer, all those things, then I think when we look at it a few years from now, I, I'm hopeful that having that type of approach now will get me to where I want to get to. So what's my what's next for me i think the same thing i i have been doing but also to being mindful of where can i improve how can i work just a bit harder to make up maybe for a lack of talent how can i do those things so that i can get to where i want to get to really cool and you know you're a really hard-working content creator the quality of your content is incredible and the community that you were able to build is a testament to how awesome you are and and the great work that you do so definitely keep it up and you know keep moving forward because i mean there's a lot of things to be excited about in the world of destiny the best is yet to come both for you and for the amazing amazing community that destiny is building agreed you know and i think we walk together we fight together we play this game together we enjoy it together Let's keep doing that now. Let's keep doing that as we move forward here throughout these next uh, few months and years of the game. Indeed. So, Guardians, on that note, we have some more things to talk about. And man, thank you so much. Pause, reset, play for sharing your amazing journey with us and our community. So cool to learn more about you and what you do and some of your insights into the world of Destiny. But we're also going to talk about some other things tonight because Beyond Light is just right around the corner. We are literally five days away from new content with Destiny 2 Beyond Light. And we're going to have a bit of a conversation and do some predictions and kind of talk about some of the things that we want to see in the upcoming expansion that we'll be playing in just a few short days. So, 
the first thing that I'm curious about is how will Destiny 2 Beyond Light compare to prior expansions? And we did briefly touch on this because Luke Smith did give us some pretty good hints as to the size of the content that we'll be playing. And we also did get the Vidoc that was really, really awesome, created by the teams at Bungie. So how will Destiny 2 Beyond Light compare to the previous expansions that we played? Well, I, I think even if even if Shadowkeep and Beyond Light were the exact same size, I think Beyond Light's gonna be more exciting simply because we're going to some place that's brand new. So we're we're going to Europa. We've never been there before. The weather elements, that's going to be something brand new. So those things, just comparing that, even if it's the exact same size as Shadowkeep, you have to give the nod to Beyond Light because of that. Not to mention the Deepstone Crypt Raid. We know that there's a lot of lore behind it. And the same could be said, too, for Garden of Salvation and the Black Garden. But I think that there might be just a bit more impact with Deepstone Crypt especially if somehow we learn maybe a bit of a backstory, maybe there's a, there's a secret part of that raid where it delves into Cade's old files. Like those, there's, there's opportunity there to give people something to, to be excited about. So new location, awesome. Raid's going to be great. I think overall, everything else being the same, Beyond Light should be better than Shadowkeep. I'm expecting Beyond Light to be better. Now, whether or not we'll get something as grand as a as a system-wide change like we saw with the Last Wish raid, that may be asking for a bit much. I would love to see something like that. You know, having things players do impact the game in real time is awesome. Like, I know that's got to be really challenging to do, but if we're able to have something like that, then I think it's a, it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And I think, you know, in some respects, you can't really judge the content by the size of the destination that we'll be playing. And yes, mm -hmm. the destination might be a bit smaller than what we got with Forsaken. However, we do also know that we're getting not just one destination. The Cosmodrome is coming back. So there's yep. much to be said there. And we have the Deepstone Crypt. And I think from a story narrative perspective, it's going to be more interesting than what we've played before because Prince Aldrin is coming back, right? The Exo Stranger is coming back. We have all of these characters that are returning after all these years. Yep. And I think that they have a lot of stories that they can tell with the new narrative and the new characters that we're going to be introduced to, or I should say reintroduced to. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there, but also I think that, you know, Bungie as a company, they've learned a lot in their time developing Destiny. And more than any other studio, I think Bungie really listens to player feedback and they take that feedback to build a better Destiny together, right? And I think that they're going to take a lot of those lessons that they've learned in the from the past and refine on the things that worked really well in Destiny and change some of the things that maybe didn't work as well, right? So I'm curious to see how the rewards are going to be in the new content because that's one area where I feel like in Destiny 2, it has been a bit lacking. 
compare it to yeah. Destiny 1. I think that in terms of like the weapons in the game and the loot and the rewards and just the sheer size of, of all the new items that we got in the seasonal changes that occurred, I think it was much greater in the past. And I'm curious to see if they're able to give us more with Beyond Light. Maybe a vendor refresh might be really cool if they're able to do something like that. And I mean, with so many weapons being sunset, you know, one begs to wonder, I mean, how is this going to impact the rewards economy in the game? Are we getting sure. a lot of new weapons? We'll have to see. Yeah, right. you, you, like, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph. No, that's fine. Go ahead. <clears throat> so, yeah, you said it from a story perspective. I feel like it's going to be more substantial. I think it's going to tell a better story than what we had at Shadowkeep, you know, because we're actually going, you know, to, you know, place where the pyramid ship is. You know, we're going where Aramis is. We're, you know, we're being called there by the Exo Stranger. We're meeting up with her and, and Varix. And, you know, we're, there's going to be a nice little plot line that's going to form there, I feel like. And then we have to take down Aramis and then we got to see who the raid boss is. You know, mm -hmm. in that seasonal content, we're going to be meeting back up with the Aldrin and he's hanging out with Osiris now. So, I mean, what what's happening there? So a lot of cool, cool things are happening, I feel like. You know, and I, I think this story has a chance to be one of the best, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. And to your earlier point as well, there's a lot of different threads here, right? So we have the crow and, and I'm, I'm excited for Aldrin coming back. I think honestly, that's, that's one of the coolest things about this new season is his character. And, and just even like the, the aesthetic that he has with his new, new gear, like that will be a really cool thing. And, and you have to wonder too, cause like his piece from what I can gather centers around um, Sabathun's sister, right? So, how is that storyline? How's that thread going to going to weave into what we've learned and known so far about Sabathun? Also, too, we'll be we'll be fighting that 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 other side piece with the darkness with Aramis. How how are those things going to compare and contrast and collaborate with one another um, as we go through Beyond Light and as we go through Seas of the Hunt, heading into the the rest of the year, ultimately kind of culminating with Sabathun coming out next season or next year for the the full-fledged battle that we that's been building here for the last couple of years like that's what i like the, the most about this game and i know it's it's sometimes really difficult to get your sense of it because it is such a, a slow burn right for a lot of these storylines but i think that's one thing that like it rewards players who've been here from the jump and who've kind of witnessed it from the jump to see those things come to fruition in some cases years after the idea was first planted yeah yeah it's it's going to be fascinating to see mm -hmm. how it's all going to play out you know it's like bungie's building this huge narrative like they're finally paying off some of these some of these stories that they've been you know telling for years so yeah, and you know, it really seems like from a narrative perspective, I think Beyond Light has the opportunity to be the most exciting piece of content from a story narrative uh, perspective, because in Forsaken, we knew that, you know, Aldrin is going to kill Kate, and that yeah, was they pretty showed much us the thing. They showed us that at E3. I mean, right? we, we knew that really early on, but here, we don't know what's happening. 
there's a lot of open a lot of conversations, a lot of mysteries that we just don't really know. And for Bungie to bring so many characters together, so many big characters in the game from the past and the present, I think it's going to be really cool. And I think that the opportunities from a story perspective are, are huge with this new expansion. Yeah, I agree. And what I'm hopeful for, too, similar to what we had with Marasav back in Forsaken, where every three weeks you could visit her throne world. I'm hopeful that we get some more of that type of content because those are the kind of things that they're, they're very small. Like honestly going to, to see the queen and hearing her dialogue, you know, hearing just getting some new lore pieces. But then as well, you see the map on her dreaming city table and you see the, the pyramid ship outlines. Like that was exciting. Something really basic. This was something with, the Rasputin time where we saw the map being updated each week and you saw the pyramid ships getting closer and closer. Those are really small things, but honestly though, I think they have some of the most uh, profound impact on the game because of, of giving you that sense of a build, right? Giving you that wonder like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. We know something's going to happen, but what's going to be the culmination here of this. And if, if beyond light can take those lessons learned, from past seasons and bring those back on a more consistent basis, then I think that's going to serve the game well. I, I think it's going to, going to serve the storytelling better if we can have that. And, and this is something that, that I, if I could pick and choose here what I would be most excited if they brought back, it'd be something simple like that that has a big impact. Well said. So on that note, what is hidden in the Deep Stone Crypt? I mean, there's a lot of mysteries there, a lot of unknown adventures for us to explore what is hidden well it's the birthplace of the exos so right. we do we do know that so there's going to be a lot of exos like uh, figures there alive probably and not alive because we did see some ones that were just exo bodies just laying on the mm -hmm. ground like in the uh bidock mm -hmm. um so yeah there i feel like there's gonna be tons of mysteries uh, we hear that I don't know if you watched any Bife videos or Mylan videos that Clovis mm -hmm. Bray was not a good person it did a lot of experiments on these exos and I'm sure without their consent right. in a lot of ways you know so how how is is there still Clovis Bray as a person do you sure. think he's still like behind this whole operation of the Deep Stone Crypt you know and yeah what kind of like you know things has he been planning you know what what it's gonna be really interesting to see no I, I agree with you and especially too with the, with the, the dynamic now that we're gonna have this season between the stranger between uh, Anna Bray perhaps Marasov comes back somehow when you when you factor all those things in like it makes you wonder from a this is gonna be a, an amazing season for all the lore aficionados. They're, they're going to be losing their minds here over what we might find both in-game lore pieces and also, too, just things that we'll discover from, from exploring and looking at the, the locations. When I think of, of Secrets, though, I'm really curious of, will we have something within the new raid? And this would be the perfect raid to do it. Will we have something within the new raid that will be like a Divinity or like Outbreak? Outbreak. Destiny 1? Yep. Like, 
what kind of raid exotic can we expect? Because it's not, I don't think with this raid, we're going to get something as simple as, hey, you beat the boss and it's a random chance. I think it's going to be a significant quest line that ends with beating the final boss in the raid after doing a number of different puzzles, maybe perhaps outside of the raid and then also to in the raid as well. So that's what I'm most excited for. Like just from my own personal enjoyment, I like collecting all the exotics and for a raid like this, my expectations are really high as far as what the reward is and as far as what the quest is to get it. Like I imagine it's going to be really, really tough to get. And hopefully the reward that we get is in line with how difficult it is to get in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I would love to have, you know, a raid exotic during the final boss where, you know, it's not common. It's difficult to get. Not everyone mm -hmm. will get it. Why? Because it's special when you can play through the raid, when there's an incentive for you yes. to continue playing the raid week after week, and you're just wondering who's going to get that exotic next. Because it's not common, it's difficult to get, but it's mm -hmm. also very deadly and very rewarding and useful in the game. So I would True. be really, really excited to see them make that raid exotic very special very cool and different from what we ever seen before that's true well and that's a good point too because some of our some of our hero moments some of our hero stories in destiny are when you got an exotic and usually that's tied to a raid exotic so getting 1k voices like i guarantee there's people on the stream right now who are watching who some got it really really fast and some took them 10 20 37 tries i'll know the exact number right and how can you how can you have because you want to have both experiences you want to have a divinity like experience or an outbreak prime like experience every now and again where it's a secret it's a puzzle you have everybody kind of like investigating it hey how can we figure this thing out you know how can we discover it how can we find the solution and you have people that really really enjoy that type of experience but then also too how can you also have the experience of just that randomness have like RNG in the game is one of the beautiful things. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it's, it's something that it's existence in the game allows for those types of conversations. It allows for somebody on your raid team to get a day one. And then there's going to be somebody on your raid team where it's going to take you well into the season before they get it. And it's always going to be that wonder when they open the chest at the very end, will will they get the exotic? Right? So it's usually one or the other, right, guys? It's usually one or the other where the raid either gives it to you, gives it to you via RNG or it gives it to you via a quest. I guess here we had Divinity as a quest last year with Shadow or with um, Garden of Salvation. Perhaps then we're on a cycle now for the raid exotic to be an RNG one. But we'll see, though. I, I think for this raid, it would make more sense to have it be a puzzle. But maybe just maybe we'll get both we'll get the best of both worlds and we'll have an, a raid exotic that's a drop and we'll have a raid exotic that's a puzzle that'd be kind of cool if we could have that right you like to see both you know yeah have both. just like you said the rng aspect that that's what makes destiny destiny yep you know having rng in the game you know there's something super special out there and the only way you can get it is to play the content is to actually play through mm -hmm. it to get a chance at getting that getting the, the loot Mm -hmm. So, and then a quest, you know, kick, kicks off a quest at the end. 
you know, going through a multi-phase, multi-step uh, quest that you have to perform and then go into the hard version or, or a special version of that raid or something to uh, complete it. Mm -hmm. so, so. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think for me, there's a few more things that I really want from the new raid. And one of them being I want for all the rewards to feel really special. Think back to the Vault of Glass during Destiny 1. Mm -hmm. Every gun that we got from that raid felt very special, very unique, yes. very different. Some were more rare than others, right? I mean, think about the Praetorian Foil. It took a minute yep. to get that, right? Mm -hmm. Or the Vex Mythoclast. It was broken, right? When it, Especially when it first came out. And Vision of Confluence, yes. You know, Fatebringer. I mean, these are all weapons that are so, so special in the game. And I don't think Bungie has been able to give us anything as good. Like, those weapons no. to this day the from Destiny 1, are yeah, still they, the benchmark. They're still the benchmark. Any, anything from the raids in Destiny 2. Well, so and I, yeah. not, just, not just, like, the, when you look at the weapons in a vacuum, they were much better. You know, the, the elemental primaries were so good that they had to change them, right? And the raid weapons, they had... They were tremendous outside of the raid. Within the raid, they were insanely good. Like, you needed those weapons to take down the Oracle faster, especially if you're doing hard mode or going for a hard mode And that challenges. was the whole idea. Yeah, That was the whole idea. Yeah. But even going a step further, though, when you look at the drops per encounter, like, a couple of seasons ago, when a season was winding down, we went through and we played some of the old D1 raids, and we did them on the 390 hard mode to try to get some of the because I, I didn't have all the exotics back then i didn't play those raids as much so we went back and played d1 on a 390 version to do some of the challenges and get the emblems and all that kind of stuff the amount of drops that we got per encounter was insane and even beyond that too everybody in the fire team beating a basic encounter beating just the the opening encounter got something in the drop got an, got an exotic and people were excited like Nobody ever got excited or nobody ever got upset about getting too much loot in a game. So I think there's two things there. The raid exotics, or I'm sorry, the, the raid weapons and armor. Armor has to look cool. Armor has to have good perks on it. Weapons have to have perks that are beneficial in the raid. And also, too, they should be among the best weapons in PvP and PvE. They're, they're among the most difficult to get. They, therefore, they should be among the best. They have to be really, really good. That's one piece. Another piece is you have to give more loot. That was one of the nice things about doing hard mode was you had to double drops, right? So that, that was going to give you much more return from your playing. There's got to be more. Like getting, going into Garden of Salvation, let's face it, guys, going into GOS and getting your third energy weapon in a row, that ain't, that's not going to cut it. Not to mention their weapons are not even that good. So you have, you have two things hitting against you there with, with the raid loot. Number one, it's not very good. And number two, the drops are really minimal like you're not getting many drops per encounter so if they change that i think people would be playing raids more and we've seen that bear out with the raids giving you like you can kind of more or less farm anarchy right now the only thing they changed was the fact that you could just do it more than once they didn't give you more loot or they didn't give you um better better weapons they just let you farm it more and people were really happy the number of people playing raids skyrocketed so imagine if they if they took something similar and said okay well hey when you now when you beat an encounter in gos we're going to give you a weapon and an armor 
piece and then maybe some shards or whatever the case may be, that may get people into it more. Not to mention if they were able to somehow make the weapons better, to make the armor better, more beneficial both in the raid and out of the raid, I think you would get more people to, to, to do those things. Because the sad part about this game right now is it's so common. I had just people the other day jump in for some raid help who had never done a raid before. And that to me is one of the sad things about the game when your your best activities, your pinnacle content in the game is being enjoyed by so few. And the same can be said too for, for trials and PvP, but that's the story for another conversation or a conversation for another story. But I think that there's room for improvement on the reward system within raids. And I think even if just to a small degree, it may encourage people to get into it. Yeah, I think they should bring back normal and hard mode. Like I agree. Versions of raids. Normal, hard challenge. Just like in D1. Yep. If it's not broke, don't try to fix it. <laughs> Agreed. And it wasn't broken yeah. back then. And I think that yeah. they tried fixing what wasn't broken and they changed the formula in a not so positive way. And that's why they had to go back and change things back. And they're still continuing to change things back in a smaller capacity because they can't. Yep do it all at once as we see with the Cosmodrome coming back in small bite-sized pieces but um, yeah I totally agree with you both on this and uh, I mean and the raid is going to be hard day one we already know that because of contest mode so we already know that the raid is going to be challenging day one 100%. but even yeah. in that note like yes contest mode is, is taking place but it's like I feel so disappointed that the only reward that I get for doing contest mode is an exclusive emblem. I think they could have done more, right? They could have added a really cool glow to your armor piece that you can only get that first day. And it's like very exclusive. So that way, if anyone sees you in the tower, they know, okay, well, you must have completed that raid on day one, right? Something cool. Like, imagine if by completing the raid on day one, you got a very exclusive set of ornaments for all of your raid armor that you can or only get like, from there. Even even something like an emote would be incredible, right? And and they could do that. They could, they could like, make an ornament that may be a bit more time-consuming, but I got to imagine making an exclusive emote for the... It's really, it's once a year, right? You're making an emote once a year, or maybe twice this year because of all the glass. But it's something that, and it can be the same one for both for, as far as I'm concerned. But that right there would really make people excited to jump in and try to get that. Now, granted, let's be honest here, you'd be making an emote probably for about 100 people, 200 people, however many number usually beats the raid day one. It's not that much. So... I think honestly, probably what they're looking at is is the cost behind the use, and if only a handful of people are going to be getting this done anyway, an emblem is kind of more in line with with that. But I agree with you though; it'd be nice to reward those players with something a bit more robust than just an emblem. Um, and 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 granted, like I don't have any of the day one emblems, and I'm hopeful this this year will be the year I, I do get one. But it would be nice, though, if they did give something uh, more noticeable or something in addition. Like, I'm, I'm not saying take away the emblem, but give us something uh, just a bit more that we can use to kind of flex and, and flaunt in the tower. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Totally agree. And I think on that note, I am curious. How are you both preparing for the new content that we're going to be playing in just a few short days with Beyond Light? I've been playing a lot of Crucible because I'm trying to get to 5,500. I have a personal goal right now to get to 5,500 before the end of the season. And Yeah, and honestly, that's that's going to be most tough right now because you have everybody who's gunning to get to Legend. So yeah, this is like one of the most... It's, it's good in the sense that you can find games super fast, but it's also difficult because you may end up against some really stacked teams, whether it be recubs or what have you, for helping people get that last-minute push to, to uh, Legend. From my, from my standpoint, the whole bounty prepping thing, I've done that in seasons past. This season, I have some bounties on my character. I'll probably turn all of them in. I don't really care about that too much. As far as prep goes... The raid team I'm with, we have not played a single raid together leading up to it. So we'll probably play some raids. We'll, we'll discuss builds and things like that. I think, honestly, though, for, for the for the brand new raid, especially with new subclasses, because, I mean, look look back to when Taken King came out and the introduction of those new subclasses, how dramatic the change to gameplay was. I think we'll see something similar here with Stasis coming out and... It's going to be it's going to be hard for any team to prepare right now for the new raid because we don't have those subclasses. I think in the mm-hmm. ten days leading up to the brand new raid, learning those new subclass abilities, learning how they may sway an encounter, whether it be through ad control or platform creations to reach different locations, those are those are things I think that we can experiment leading up to it. Um, but as far as just preparing for Beyond Light, I'm just having fun right now playing with yeah, my friends and family. I'm having fun doing streams, helping people get some stuff at the last minute, um, and just kind of really taking advantage here of, quote-unquote, the downtime in the game until business picks up on Tuesday. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, I pretty much focused on getting the catalyst that, I, that I've been missing in the game, and I did get most of them. I think I'm missing, like, the mind multi-tool, and I've been playing a lot of comp to try to get that ornament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I got my Shadow title, I got my Moments of Triumph nice. title, you know, I got those done. I got my Moments of Triumph title. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, so yeah. beyond that, I mean, I'm not really trying to hoard bounties. I, I, I kind of stopped caring about that. To me, that's just not fun, and we have plenty of time to get ready for the new yes. raid, right? We exactly. have more time than we did before, and I think Bungie is trying to move away from encouraging players to hoard bounties as a way to get an advantage and i think that whole system could be going away with beyond light where you're not really going to see an advantage by stacking a bunch of bounties and and trying to get every little advantage to me it's just not a way that i play the game anymore right like i think that bringing everybody up in light level is also going to pretty much make the urgency of trying to get to that max light level kind of obsolete. To me, I didn't really enjoy the idea of leveling up beyond the hard cap to eventually have that increase go away after the season. To me, that that just... I feel like that doesn't respect my time as a player enough sure. to where I'm encouraged 
to even care. So, I mean, for me, I think my my highest level character is like uh, 1065, I want to say. So, I mean, I really haven't focused on leveling up all of my characters, and I don't really think that's necessary. So, for me, it's just finishing up the activities that are going away. You know, mm -hmm. like this weekend, I'd love to play through the vanilla destiny 2 story and to play through the stories that are going away i think that's going to be a fun thing to do with my friends but other than that i think for the first time in a while i'm just focusing on having fun in the game and not really caring about any kind of advantage when the new content comes out sure and you know i think especially when a new season's coming out you know if you're if you're not if you're not 1060 right now that's not a big deal at all especially because we're going into a major expansion and i want to say that like trials i think was 1210 i think the new raid modifier was 1230 I, I forget what the exact numbers were but it's a huge leap from 1060 so whether you're 1040 right now 1050 1060 honestly it's all pretty much the same because when beyond light comes out you'll be getting blue drops well above 1060 in this first handful of story missions that you do. So I think your approach right now is, is the best one to take. Enjoy the game, catch up on some things. If you're working on Catalyst, maybe try to get those done because we don't quite know how that's gonna work um, with a with any Catalysts that are not completed, whose missions are going away, maybe work on some of those. But just by and large, and, hey, enjoy this weekend. Maybe we'll get something cool Monday night. It seems like that's more or less kind of been confirmed by Luke Smith that, that something Sweet. fun. Yeah, something, he sent a tweet out basically saying, you know, something exciting in, in the tower, short thing in the tower, right before the lights go out. So um, I guess we'll all have a place to hang out on Monday night as the season of arrivals winds down and the 14-hour maintenance window starts. We'll get to see something cool happening in the tower. So that's going to be the game plan, I think, Monday night. But, hey, let's just take these last few days. If we can get Legend and Comp, sweet. You know, if we can get some um, last-minute quests done, cool. Places mm -hmm. play through the storyline. That's cool. Like, just enjoy enjoy these last few days. Like, don't you don't need to have eighty seven million bounties saved up so that you can hit season pass rank ten before someone else hits rank. 10. Yeah, it's like you don't exactly. really need that. Especially, and I'm really glad they did this. Especially because they they took the raid and they made it a full eleven days after right. the season mm -hmm. comes out, and they made it on a weekend. So like, you have the added benefit of having more time to play. Especially if if you uh, either have a job where Monday through Friday is hard for you to play and then the weekends work better. Like it's going to allow more players to partake in that day one experience. And I, and that's regardless of if, if you have a bunch of bounties saved up or not. I think that's a good approach. Yeah. I'm going to be grinding. But I'm going to go again, baby. You know, especially <laughs> oh, if yeah. there's another have a secret grasp of Malik in there, you know, <laughs> I'm excited for that. That's going to be really cool. And you know, on that note, I'm curious, what is one change that you would love to see come to Beyond Light with the new expansion? Just like what we talked about, the 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 raid gear, the raid weapons being like being better than they've been, you know, before. Being more uh, you know, just more impactful. Yeah. Like, cause they just haven't been special. Yeah. They've been nothing to really want to chase for. Mm -hmm. Something nothing to really have any sustainability. I want a reason to play the raid again, like over and over again. And cause yeah. it, I've had fun doing it and there was a worthwhile chase for me. 
and and also strike exclusive loot. You know, I'd yeah. like to see some of that come back. You know, again to get me wanting to play strikes again. So, yeah. yeah Personally, I would like to see some a bit more dedication to PvP. I mean, right now, that too. I think it's been telling that there hasn't really been any PvP showcased at all in any of the trailers. Like, so I think that might be telling. That's very game. telling. Very telling. Yeah, it might be kind of a uh, of an indication here that PvP could be a bit of a mess, especially with the new supers heading into Beyond Light and with new subclasses. It's it's always going to be inherently difficult to balance this game, um, but I would love to see them try to be able to balance PvP a bit better, and a lot of that has to do with separating it from PvE, which is, I'm sure, much, much easier said than done. But if they could have a bit more dedication to the Crucible side, and I'm, I'm not even a huge PvP fan. Like, I, I play casually and have fun when I'm playing with my clan, but I would love to see them strengthen that game mode by having a more competitive balance, um, getting rid of some some things that are overpowered, and this kind of goes into the sunsetting side. I'm a bit different than most people. I would I would not mind seeing some exotics get sunset. I know people are like that's blasphemy, but if it if it let if it leads to the competitive balance of a game mode, I think that's fine. And also too, if it freshens things up, that's also something that I think is worth pursuing. But that's one thing I'd like to see as far as changes for Beyond Light. Being a bit more transparent, I think, with with some of the things on the roadmap, just so that players know in advance when to take time off. I know there was a lot of conversation about when the new raid was going to be so people could, could request time off. It's tricky because you have to balance having... Because they had the roadmap one time completely filled out, and then people were mad because you know that they were like, that's it. They wanted some some surprises type deal so it there bungee's in a tough spot there where it's like they're in, in a win-win or lose-lose situation no matter how you look at it or they can either fill out that roadmap and then have no s- surprises or they can leave it how it is right now where there's bits and pieces towards the end of the season where you don't quite know what's going to happen but just from a streaming perspective for me it's nice to know when these things are happening so i can kind of plan accordingly yeah these are all really great points And I think the one thing that really sticks out to me that I would really love to see that we haven't had in a really long time, vendor refresh across the board. I want to feel that excitement when I go in the tower and everything feels new, where you don't really know what weapons are available from the vendor and you're discovering what is really good, what's meta what perks are available that are completely new. I mean, and this is something that I think Bungie stopped doing in Destiny 2, and I would love yeah. to see that come back. I, I'd I hate that, to let you down, Corn, because Luke Smith confirmed that it's only going to be armor. This, well, uh, it's, that's a shame, too, because, like... Season. When when was the last time that Dead Orbit or New Monarchy or Future... When was the last oh time God. they said anything? These guys have not said a word in... in over two years, years. You know, like, <laughs> yeah they they have they're basically non-existent you know they're, yeah they're statues right now they're, right. they're yeah they're statues and they're honestly they're they're the guardians game statue right now because there's no value whatsoever for what they're doing right now in the tower I, I would i would love to see them come back and something small that they could do would be to just bring back the the class exotic and have that be a quest and like that would be one thing 
even if it took a super long time, because those those took a long time to get in D1, but give those vendors some real basic stuff. Once a year, they have uh, a weapon and armor set up that you can rank up and you can get random rolls for, and then give them once a year an exotic class item quest that players could work to over time throughout the entire year. Like, I think that would be a way that a, a minimal way that they could make those vendors relevant and that people would be happy about, happy about it and excited for. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't had any of that for years. And it's, it's just, yeah. it's weird. There's gotta be a small team at Bungie that could do that, you know? Right. Sure. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know it. Some people may think it's pulling away from development, like on new stuff in the game, but actually that would be new because we haven't had anything from them in over two years. No, so. it's been it's been way too long, and yeah, you know, and honestly, like think about some of people's favorite favorite weapons from from D one were those vendor weapons, like yes, the the hung jury. People raved about that weapon, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, why can't we get why can't we get some of those things uh, and and bring them back into the game and at least give us a reason to talk to these vendors who were an integral part of our experience at one point in time and who've now more or less been relegated to complete NPCs where they're walking around in the tower, not, not even walking around, they're stationary in the tower, not doing anything. Yeah. You can't even interact with them now. No, it's weird. It's, it's, it's yeah. weird. And it's been like that for a long time. I'm surprised they haven't made that change yet. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think changing the vendors is kind of important. And even if they only do it once a year, to change all of the items that you get from the vendor, but then maybe with each season, they just alternate different perks on those weapons, right? That creates mm-hmm. more of an incentive to play through the new season. And when the new expansion comes out to play through with all new vendor refreshes. And I think those are really changes that I really miss in the game that we haven't had in a while. And yeah, I, I agree. You know, and it's also going to be interesting to see how sunsetting affects everything because it's interesting that a vendor refresh will not take place, yet so much is being sunset. And that leads me mm-hmm. to to wonder, what do you all think about sunsetting? Are you okay with it? Are you happy about it? Are you concerned about it? What's What's the overall feeling on that? Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, let's just looking at it in practical terms. It's it's nice to have some things being taken out just to shake up what's being used. And really, when you look at it, sunsetting is a product of people using mountaintop recluse and a heavy weapon over and over again, like not changing their their loadout. Right. So it's really the culprit of a handful of weapons that are, that have resulted in, in a lot of things being sunset. But if the end result is people using different things, people exploring different builds, having an opportunity for new weapons to come in. Like the, the problem with a weapon like mountaintop or the recluse is they're better than most exotics, right? So to create a legendary weapon worth using over those, it has to be insanely good. Like you're not going to find in all, all these weapons that have come out, you know, is it the mountaintop? Nothing is the mountaintop replacement. It's better than everything else. So the only way that you can fix that problem is by making mountaintop 
not usable in some of the activities that require a high light level. Now, at least they're not taking it out of the game completely, and you'll still be able to kind of mess around with it in patrols or strikes or whatever. But I think for for the competitive balance for the game, it was necessary, especially in Crucible, because it was a, a significant problem in PvP. It is right now. Yep. It's, it's a huge problem, and it's way too easy to use. It's way too lethal. So sunsetting is a nice way of, of kind of fixing a problem that was more or less self-inflicted because of how good it was. Um, I think, again, just like I, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, right now exotics are exempt from sunsetting. I would not be against sunsetting in certain cases for exotics just to shake things up. Stompies are one of them. And I know all the Hunter mains right now listening are really upset by that. I play Hunter just as much as you guys do, right? And I'll, I'll be the first person to recognize and admit that Stompies are, are, are an unfair advantage, especially on console. Especially on console. So if, if, taking, if making those not useful in certain endgame content means people using different exotics, then I think that ultimately could be a good thing. It would it would be better, I think, for the game to have some variety every now and again, as opposed to every hunter using stompies and a shotgun. Like that that to me does not that to me does not be uh, like the the ideal game state for Crucible, right? Every warlock using top three dawnblade and a sniper that to me is not the best experience for for pvp so if there's way to make things a bit more well-rounded and what's useful and if if the way to get to that is by taking out the things that are way way more useful than anything else so that there is like five choices people can make that i think is a better alternative i agree 100 percent with everything you said yeah i know i totally agree as well and i'm curious what would you both change about seasons going into future seasons in Destiny 2? Some of the things we talked about already, you know, it's um, just, I know they can't refresh the vendors every season. I know that's unrealistic, but, you know, please give, I don't know, give a way for us to get more loot, I guess. But, um, you know, and try to, you know, evolve things. I, I know you can't, like, have an awesome story every season. You know, that, that's also unrealistic. But it looks mm-hmm. like they're really trying this season with uh, uh, Crow, Aldrin, and uh, Osiris. They're tying them into the season of Hunt, of the Hunt. So um, I feel like they have an opportunity there, especially, like, going into the next season after this, which I think that's when we'll get Vog back um either that or after the uh, the season after that um but like you said corn they're gonna probably you can use some of the content from d1 you know like by next season after this one that's when they can probably fully flesh out the cosmodrome or you know bring back the because they plan on bringing back the other two strikes from the cosmodrome too Mm -hmm. um just give give a reason to want to play those activities you know fill them with like some nice strike exclusive loot just have a good chase you know try to balance as best you can in the crucible um because who knows how how that how that's going to play out all next season um so yeah i feel like a lot of those things you know and 
you know, just let everything will just kind of, you know, it'll evolve as it goes, I guess. So, mm-hmm. Definitely. yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with all those things. I would love to see more in-game representation for our accomplishments. Like one of the things I, I was when I first fired up Destiny 2 and it was loading up and it was kind of going, it was cycling through all of the accomplishments of myself and my fire team, like when we did certain things. I would love to see somehow that ex- that experience captured occasionally. You know, like maybe at the start of the season, it'll kind of recap what you did last season. Um, it would be cool to see that kind of like in-game representation. We saw a little bit when it comes to Guardian games and how the, the height of the flags change, but I would love to see more of that. I know that must be really kind of hard to code and, and make, but that'd be kind of cool. I do like that they've made the season pass better for for bright dust i've always been kind of upset with how they, they they nerfed bright dust and how difficult it is to get i i'm i'm thankful and appreciative that they've made that change because it'll allow players to get some cool emotes and ornaments and and all those fun things that are available during certain seasonal events that cost a lot of bright dust at least now players will have um more in their coffers to to pick those things up but i and it's hard though right it's hard to to it's hard to pick and choose the things that are most important to you and be able to get those things with the finite amount of time and resources that are that anybody has on any given project. Well said. Well said. Yeah, and I think for me, I'd love to get a little bit more story in seasons. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's something that we've been kind of shying more away from. And I understand it's kind of challenging for them to maintain a story every single season, but... I think it definitely helps keep things more engaging and keeps the game more fun. So I think that for me, I'd love to see a little bit more story throughout the seasons and definitely the secret missions that we've been kind of missing, like the outbreak mission and the whisper mission. I think these are things that would make the game better and stronger. I mean, I think the excitement that we felt when that new mission came out and we don't know what's there or how to beat it. I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. And I think that it helps create a lot of buzz around the game. It creates a lot of uh, excitement and it gives us a reason to come back. For sure. No, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, those are the kind of things that, that keep people engaged and coming back. And we touched upon it earlier too with the, the queen visits, right? Even the interference mission, how we had that this season on a weekly basis, going in and, and getting that next piece of lore. What's the next piece of story that, that's adding? I know it's a drip content when it comes to the, the way of storytelling, but honestly, though, if, if it's something that, that we can at least appreciate on a weekly basis uh, and, and get to have that being given to us that way, then I know for some players, that's what they, they enjoy the most is, is getting that, that story, getting that uh, information and then kind of speculating and theorizing on, on what's going to happen next. And that, that's what's great about Destiny is like you have a game that appeals to such a wide range of interests from people who love lore, people who love difficult content, uh, even the, the PvP side, you have folks that love playing PvP at a high level. Like that's what's great about this game is you can you can play this game and have fun regardless really of what your of what your interest is. Yeah, and uh, make Iron Banner great again too. 
Yeah, I would love to see that too. I mean, looking back at, at Destiny One, some of those bounties were tough. Like getting a, t- a ten kill streak was tough, but you were happy when you got it done. And if you were low on power level, you jump into Iron Banner, you're getting random drops left and right. You're you're getting tough, right? You're getting good loot from from playing Iron Banner. So I would love to see it get back to that point. And I've I am well documented on this. I want to see the rotating game modes again. I I love control. I love control, and I love Iron Banner control, minus the locking control points. But what I also liked, too, was playing Iron Banner Clash sometimes, playing different game modes. And and I'm sure for for them, it was probably looking at Iron Banner and saying, well, by and large, when it's control, the player base is higher, and they said probably, you know, like, we know what, we're just going to make it control from now on. But, man, it would be nice to have some type of variety every now and again. Um, Even if it was like, hey, Iron Banner... And the three game modes this weekend are Clash, Control, and Supremacy. Like, that'd be kind of cool just to have that little bit of variety. Not to mention if we can get some better loot from it. Can't wait if we can get Rift back. That would be nice, too. Oh, yeah. But just, just something, right? Something mm-hmm. a bit different to shake things up just a little bit. Add that variety. Add that spice of life here so that, so that we can um, not have the same thing over and over and over again. Well said. Yep. Well said. So, Guardians, on that note, I know we have some news to talk about. And this week at Bungie came out. We have information about quite a few things. We have new patch notes, and we have some information about new things that are coming to the Bungie store and some new fun things that we will have a chance to chase after. And Shadow Price, I'm curious... What's going on in the world of Bungie News this week? Well, they go on to show us the calendar one more time if we haven't like seen it already. Um, so you can look at right look at that on the Bungie website. But I want to draw your attention to the uh, some of those exotics. Like I'm excited to get some of those new exotics, uh, like Cloud Strike and Duality and the Lament. That's like the Chainsaw Sword, right? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited about the Chainsaw Sword. Oh, man. That's going to be so cool. I'm going to make a prediction. I think that it's going to be so, so OP. It's going to break a lot of things in the game, at least in the first week or two before they balance things a bit more. I think it's going to be very broken. Yeah. And in the return of uh, weapons, like, no time to explain, and Hawkmoon, you know, so... Good, good old Hawkmoon coming back. They finally have time to explain. Yep. So, that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. And they go on to talk about now that uh, there's going to be some these archives, like they're, the kiosks that they're going to be returning to the tower. You guys remember the kiosks in Destiny mm-hmm. 1? Well, there's going to be two new kiosks available starting November 10th. There's going to be a quest archive, which will have old discarded quests and new Beyond Light quests for veteran players. And then there's going to be a Monuments of Lost Lights, uh, which where you'll, you'll be able to acquire various exotics and legendary pinnacles that were once available through now retired, retired quests. They will require grim, Glimmer, Destination Materials, Masterworker Materials, an Exotic Cipher, and Ascendant Shard to purchase. And there's going to be a new currency... Uh, which is uh, called Spoils of Contests by Completing Raids. And they're going to be required for exotics 
there's going to be required for exotics uh, previously in vaulted raids. And then there's going to be exotic ciphers, which will be one available in the season pass and one available weekly from the Zer from Zer via quest. So they're going to make Zer relevant. Like yes. You're going to be able to, that's, that's kind of cool. The fact that you're going to be able to pick up one of those quests from them to complete every week to get a cipher. Yeah, no. And I think those are good things. Like the fact that players will be able to get these, I think is huge. The fact that you'll be able to get some of the old raid weapons. So if you don't get anarchy this weekend, know that you can jump in on Tuesday and get that anarchy exotic grenade launcher. As long as you have that spoils of conquest um, material, I think it's cool that they're still allowing players to get those things, but they're also making them pretty challenging to get. Um, what I'm curious of is say that you get whisper from the kiosk. So you spend your ascendant shard or your exotic cipher, whatever the case may be, your 10,000 glimmer, whatever it is. Does Whisper come fully masterworked? You know, does it already have the catalyst? I can't imagine them selling it without it. I think it'd be kind of weird if they did. But I wish that they would have given us that insight here in the TWAB so that we knew for sure. Yeah, they they did hint at that this was how we're going to be able to acquire those exotics mm-hmm. like before. They they did mm-hmm. hint at that. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of cool that we're finally seeing that insight now. Definitely. <clears throat> Um, so there's going to be, uh, we're going to be going over the patch notes preview here. Um, first off, uh, the, uh, crucible, uh, trials of Osiris, the power level requirement is going to be increased to 1210 to compete in trials of Osiris during, uh, beyond light season of the hunt. Um, they've added adept weapons and weapon mods to fall as chest rewards. And there's additional information found at the link on the blog. Bungie weekly update. Uh, they've made some changes to the maps. They've added some physics blockers to some out of bounds areas on Altar of Flame, Exodus Blue, and Cauldron. So, did you guys? What did you guys think about any of that? Uh, trials being twelve ten. Okay, uh, I mean that's that's going to be that's going to be kind of crazy. Week one, like I'm not sure it could. It's going to be kind of nuts. Because it's coming out three days after the season comes out, right? So Tuesday Beyond Light comes out. Trials is that next. It's Friday the thirteenth, and this oh, is where, spooky. yeah, this is where all the bounty nerds who save up all their bounties and get their season pass rank really high. Because I'm guessing that that twelve ten is your gear plus your artifact light level. I know that normally they do it where it's just your light level, but I think in seasons past it's been. That first weekend, it's been anything goes. Oh, yeah, you're right. So That's trials are going to be kind of nuts um, the first weekend. I, I'm a bit let down, to be honest with you guys. I'm a bit let down by adept weapons. I thought that they'd be a bit more robust than that. But then again, I guess we'll have to see, in, in, we'll have to see them in practice. But yeah. the fact that they're in the game is a good thing, um, albeit even if it's not something that I thought they might be a bit more, a bit, a bit cooler. Um, but they're the same version. It's just a bit better. I was hoping for actually like completely unique weapons, but that should be interesting. I think that I'm glad that they're available right away. Um, I know this, this, the thing is, it's going to be good for anybody who's a trial streamer just to have new life kind of brought back into the game mode. Let's face it. The number of people playing trials has dwindled since the game mode first came back. Whether or not this will be something that can get people back in, I think it'll have a nice initial bump to it. 
and the fact that they're spreading out over each week, any given weekend, what adept weapon is available and what adept masterwork is available, I think is going to help. Hopefully, I think in their mind, in their eyes, keep the player base a bit higher on any given weekend. But we'll see, though. I, I, I think the game mode needs a bit more than just adept weapons to make it more uh, attractive to the player base at large. But then again, I'm not a huge trials player and I'm not a huge PvP player. So my opinion probably doesn't have as much weight as somebody who uh, either makes their streams off of that or plays PvP more than I do. Yeah. yeah. And I, I totally agree with all these points. I think for me, you know, these are all positive changes. I wish we had more, but I'm also very realistic with what they're able to do. And based on what we saw from Bungie in the last few months, I don't think Crucible is going to be a primary focus this season. I think they're going to do some quality of life improvements to Trials, but ultimately I think it's going to take time for them to really flush out the Crucible, and it's going to be a difficult thing for them to do because of the power fantasy that Bungie is building with Destiny. Yeah. So they went on the to go... They're making some changes to the player identity. Um, login screens now have a dark background. Yay! I'm excited. I'm going with the dark background. I'm not going to be blinded anymore. That's great. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've updated the full screen menus to have a dark background style. Player waypoints now display season rank eight and, eight and HUD waypoints. Uh, they've gone on to add toggle functionality to the character screen allowing players to make a choice between light and dark subclasses. That's cool. And the character screen visuals updated dependent on player choice between light and dark. I like it. I like it too. I like all these changes. Mm -hmm. And they actually went on to make more changes to the character creation screen, which is desperately in need of change, I feel. Male and female to masculine and feminine. Uh, the guardian head and hair models have been replaced with improved versions. Several color uh, switches have been changed to better represent the applied color. And players' previous head selections are still used. Now recording. You know, it's interesting that that it's interesting that we have not been able to modify our character ever since we created them way way back in the day. Like you would think that there'd be a way for you to go in and just kind of change your your character model as it is, right? I'm I'm kind of surprised that that's not the case. But this is a step in the right direction, giving players a bit more ways to customize their character. Especially if if you are a fan of of taking photos in the game, you want to have your character be unique and cool and and exactly how you want. And if this is a step in that direction, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Um, there's been some uh, some miscellaneous changes. Um, they've uh, fixed a bug that prevented online friends from showing up in the roster on Stadia for players with more than 100 friends. They fixed a bug that occasionally prevented players from earning progress on bounties when joining an activity in progress. And uh, this most notably impacted Iron Banner bounties that could cause players to have their artifact bonus enabled during Iron Banner matches. Um... There's some more sandbox changes that they mixed in their, missed in their sandbox preview. Uh, the Traveler's Chosen, they've uh, reduced the muzzle flash intensity. 
the point of the stag, they've increased point of the stag's max power level to 1310. Uh, divinity is being fixed for a bug that prevented some weapons from dealing precision damage to the divinity cage. Example, Ariana's Vow. Uh, the hunter dodge. They're increased the hunter's dodge cooldown by a few seconds. Old uh, tier 4 old cooldown was 22 seconds, and the new cooldown will be 26 seconds. That's huge. And I think yeah. really, though, it's tier four. Honestly, who cares about that? It's really what's the what's the change to tier 10? What's the change to hunters that have 100 mobility? How What's that change? Because right now it's currently nine seconds, right? So mm. if it only goes from nine to 11, that's not that big of a deal, especially if you're using Dragon Shadow. Which really, I am. My favorite. Yeah. Exotic. So, <laughs> so really for that change to be impactful, it's got to be a significant change for tier 10 hunters which let's face it most hunters are they used to, they rock the hunter mobility so i find i think for that to be most effective it's got to go from like nine seconds to like 15 and even then even then the reason why they're doing this and this is just me kind of speculating here the reason why they're doing this is because of the new hunter ability for the stasis subclass that freezes enemies when you dodge near them like that is the reason why they're they're increasing this cooldown I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it's enough because I, I, I think that that ability is going to be way overpowered in PvP, and I don't know if this is enough to mitigate that. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, there's going to be some changes to the anti-champion mods. Uh, Anti-barrier rounds will now penetrate taking failing shields. Uh, all anti-champion mods have been shifted to armor, Rather take than taking up a weapon mod slot. Thank I like you. It. That's awesome. I like that change. That's good. Good change. Uh, orbs of light have been changed to orbs of power as they can now be consumed by light and dark subclasses. That's interesting. Yeah, that that seems a little mm. telling too. Actually, mm -hmm. for sure. You know, since we are going beyond light, since we're messing with the stasis. Um. You can get yourself a nice 4K spicy ramen uh, wallpaper on the Bungie Weekly Update in honor of all our ramen expired ramen coupons. That are going away. I, so if I you have any, it. they're going to be deleted once Beyond Light is live, right? Yeah. Yeah, they'll be gone. So all you have left is this nice 4K wallpaper. It's, it's a sweet wallpaper, though. It yeah. is. It really is. Uh, I like I downloaded it. I'm going to put it on my thing later on. Um, I'm going to tune so, out for the next part before I go and spend more money. So you go ahead and <laughs> lead the way. So, uh, yeah, starting November 9th, we're uh, going to upgrade our arsenal of collectibles and gifts at the Bungie store. Bungie store is getting an upgrade, too, guys, uh, with new exclusive products and free in-game emblems with purchase, including the Destiny 2 Beyond Light original soundtrack. And also, your up for grabs are going to be three emblems. Cosmic Alignment, which will be available from November 9th through December 4th. Between Stars, available November 9th through February 9th, 2021. And Shattered Harmony, available November 9th with the purchase of Destiny 2 Beyond Light original soundtrack. So I it's really a, hope yeah. that because I got the Collector's Edition that I'm still going to get that emblem because... It would really be unfortunate if I can't get the emblem, yeah. even though I do get the soundtrack. But we'll see. We'll see. TBD. You should, you should be able to, yeah. All those emblems, look like all three look really cool, I think. 
Yeah, they do. They look super cool. And now some public service announcements announcements from the maintenance maintenance team. Uh, November 9th, Destiny 2 is going to go offline for maintenance, and you're going to be able to uh, download for update 3.0.0.1. Next Monday, maintenance for update 3.0.0.1 will begin, and we have the uh, timeline of the events. November 9th at 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, background maintenance for update 3.0.0.1 will begin. And on November 9th at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, in preparation for downtime, players will be removed from activities and will be required to download a small update before logging in again. So remember, this is at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 7 Eastern. So they're not taking the game off entirely yet. There. So at November 9th at 6.50 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, sign-in for Destiny 2 will be disabled. I'm guessing in preparation for the full, like, uh, taking everybody offline, which will also begin at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time that will be down, uh, brought offline for expected maintenance. Players will be removed from activities and won't be able to log back into Destiny 2 until 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on November 10th, and that is a 14-hour downtime. So wow. the season-ending event, more than likely, is going to take place between 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Pacific. So that three-hour window is when we're going to have Whatever shaping up right now mm-hmm. is going to happen in that three-hour window. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And make sure to block out the time because it might take a full three hours. So grab some popcorn, <laughs> yep. go in the tower, grab a seat, get comfortable, whatever you have to do. Grab some coffee and get ready because it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting it's gonna be to like see. like no other time in Destiny. <laughs> it's going to be unlike any other time. But it's going to be really interesting to see what takes place because we know destinations are going to be going away. So yep. we're probably going to see some destruction going on during that time. So. And we're going to learn why these destinations are going away and what will take them down. Yeah. A few more things here. Uh, November 10th at 9 a.m. Pacific standard time, destiny Two update 3.0.0.1 will be available across all platforms and regions. Players will be able to log back into destiny Two. And on November 10th at 12 p.m. Pacific uh, Standard Time, Destiny 2 maintenance is expected to conclude. So that's going to be three hours after the release of Beyond Light. You'll still be able to, you know, get on at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, but they're saying that maintenance is going to go on in the background until 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, So we're going to be able to preload uh, the update, and below are these uh, timelines for uh, each platform. PlayStation, you PlayStation players, you'll be able to begin your download on November 8th after 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Users can start preloading update 3.0.0.1 by navigating to Destiny 2, pressing the options button, and selecting check for updates. Um, They said in an effort to decrease server load, that some PlayStation Plus users may be able to pre-download update 3.0.0.1 start on November 7th after 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time if they have update download enabled on their PlayStation 4. And there's a link for how to set that up if you don't have it already. Uh, Bungie recommends that players should not delete their current version of Destiny 2 on their PlayStation console to speed up the pre-download process. That's a note for everybody. Um, For Xbox, your preload will be available shortly after Destiny 2 is taken off the line. For expected maintenance at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on November 9th, 
And there's instructions on the website for how to uh, navigate that. PC, you'll be taken offline for maintenance at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on November 9th. And, okay, I'm sorry. It will be available shortly after Destiny 2 is taken offline for expected maintenance at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You'll be able to do your preload. Uh, should automatically be put in the Steam download queue once it is available for preload. And for more information, click on the link on the update. Uh, we can talk briefly about the storage requirements. Um, Xbox Series X and S, you're going to need an install size of 65.7 gigabytes. PlayStation 5 will be 70.78 gigabytes. PlayStation 4 will be 70.78 gigabytes, but the storage installation uh, space you needed for installation will be 171 gigabytes. Xbox One is 65.7 gigabytes, and for PC, it's 69.7 gigabytes, and the storage space you'll need for installation is 186.2 gigabytes. Wow, clear up some space. That's intense. Yeah. Yep, there's uh, that's a lot of info, um, so we can do our preloads. Doesn't sound like we need to delete it. Um, do who did they say we have to do a full download of Destiny Two again though, or is that kind of just like been kind of proven false? So or are we just downloading like, from the information that yeah. we have today? It sounds like deleting your game save or installation of Destiny 2 will not speed anything up. You want to keep that so that the game doesn't have to download as much new content. Hopefully that's the case. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's a massive amount of space. Yeah. Yeah, it says, please note, Bungie recommends that players should not delete their current version of Destiny 2 on their PlayStation consoles to speed up the preload process. Now, they mentioned that for PlayStation, but they don't really specify for the other consoles. So I'm wondering if the other platforms should maybe delete the game, but if you're on PlayStation, they found a way to preserve the current game file that you have and minimize what you have to download in addition. Yeah. So there's a huge long list of items, quests, and currencies that will be automatically be removed from player inventories at the start of year four. Buckle up, because I hope you're ready. We've got advanced paradox amplifiers going away, adventure tokens going away, all bounties and quests from Season of the Forge, Season of the Drifter, and Season of Opulence going away. All ritual and pinnacle weapon quests, the gear will become available in our monument to Lost Lights exotic archive. Black Armory schematic consumables, Boons of Opulence, Braytech schematics, Cade's Odds and Ends, Concentrated Radio Larian Culture, Dance Party Keys, Expired Ramen Coupons, Faction War Materials, Faded Card, Five of Swords Challenge Card, Forge Polymers, Imperials, Letter Fragments, Ludapalooza Keys, whatever that is, Lost Memory Fragments, Modulus Report Consumables, Moats, weak, middle, and powerful. Collector, invader, reaper, sentry. Note. Uh, so happy about that. Oh, Obsidian accelerators. <laughs> Obsidian's radiance temper effect. Override frequencies. Paradox amplifier. Radiant matrix. Radiolarian culture. Rasputin and armory codes. Resonant stem consumables. Rune finder. Synths for all. Yeah, we already said that. Tokens for dead orbit. Future war call. New monarchy. Transcripts. Treasure maps for EDZ Titan IO Nessus Mercury Hellas Basin and wealth 
of Emperor buffs. And then there's seals that are being retired at the launch of Beyond Light. So make sure you claim these seals. If you have earned these seals in your game, equip them so you don't lose a chance of getting them. And uh, that will be the shadow title for Shadow Rises, Reckoner, Blacksmith for Black Armory, Wayfarer for Destinations, Chronicler for Lore, Undying, Savior for Dawn, Almighty, uh, Forerunner for Arrivals, and the MMXX for Moments of Triumph 2020. So Now say that five it. times fast. <laughs> Just kidding. I hope you guys got all that. Like I'm not repeating it. So I think I need to put on my Moments of Triumph seal because I, I haven't put it on since I got the shadow title. Um, so I have to do that. And then I also I might have to finish my Wayfarer title because I'm very close. And by close, I mean, I think I have like one or two more things left to do. So I might as well get it. But uh, yeah, interesting. Lots of information here. Information overload. <laughs> and one more thing, Bungie Rewards. With the release of Beyond Light on November 10th, certain Bungie Rewards will no longer be available to earn. These include the Eclipse Sunset and Sunset Emblems, the Year of Shadow Keep Artifact Coins, the Moments of Triumph t-shirt, the Raid Ring, the Prophecy Dungeon Hoodie, the MMXX Seal, and the Forerunner Seal. Players should be sure to earn these rewards by November 9th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and claim these rewards from the Bungie Rewards page before November 13th at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And there you have it. And then there's Movies of the Week you guys can check out at your leisure. And that's your TWAB, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. That's a lot of information this week on the TWAB. And we do have a tradition on the show where we rate the weekly update in the form of Spicy Tuna and Pause Reset Play as our guest. Do you want to kick things off? How would you rate this week's Bungie Weekly Update in the form of Spicy Tuna Rolls? So on a scale of, of 1 to 10, 10 being like the most amazing schwab ever, the most spicy tuna rolls ever. So I, I think there's a lot of good. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good information in this one, and which is which is good considering that it's right before a major update. Um, you know, I do. The only thing I would, the only thing I would kind of detract from it is we talked about what's the story with Catalyst for the exotics in the kiosk. I wish they they gave us that. I do wish that they gave us a concrete time for the season-ending event, and I know if, if they had done that. It would have detracted from the experience today for the streams that popped up for, you know, the discovery. Hey, what's going on here? And it would have made those streams not be as as successful. But I do wish they gave us the 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 time like they did last time for the Almighty, saying, "Hey, guys, be in the tower at one o'clock or whatever on Saturday." I wish they gave that to us in the Twab this week so that people could plan it out uh, a bit better. But overall, though, I thought it was good. I would say eh, seven, seven or ten, or uh, seven or eight out of ten. What would you give it out of five? Out of five? Well, that'd be a three and a half or four out of five. Okay. That's a tough one for me because, I mean, I think that we didn't get a lot of new information. We got a lot of refresher information in this update, so I don't think there's anything too exciting quite yet. 
Uh, we did get some information about when the maintenance will be taking place, and we did get a chance to see some of the items that we'll get a chance to purchase on the Bungie store, but I'm not getting excited about that because rip my wallet this month sucks. Um, so I'm probably going to have to give it a 3.5 out of 5 okay. spicy tuna rolls. I'll give it a four. I don't completely hate myself from reading all that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just I'm docking one point just because, you know, like you said, they didn't address like the catalyst thing. Um, and uh, just. Uh, yeah, I I think I, I'm, I'm really excited, though, because, uh, you know, we're going into Beyond Light next week, you know, um, so. I do want to be positive, so I'm I'm gonna give it a four, you know, because I feel like there is a lot of good stuff in here, you know. It's just very information heavy. I feel like, so. Yeah, but I, I think it was it was a good amount of stuff heading into Tuesday, right? I mean, there there was a lot of things that people were wondering. Still, some question marks, but ultimately, we'll figure those things out for ourselves, I guess. On. Tuesday at reset time. When it, I'm when excited for the out. dark title screen again. I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good quality of life change. Yeah. So that is the Bungie weekly update this week. And Guardians, we have come to that time where we get to say goodbye and uh, pause reset play. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We had an absolute blast. And what an awesome way to celebrate the launch of Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Thank you so much, Guardians, for joining us live. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and you know where we are. So, but before we let you go, Josie, I do want to learn, or I do want to share with our audience where we can learn more about you and what you do. Sure. So number one, thank you both for having me on. I had a blast today. It's been great to have a wonderful conversation leading up to Beyond Light. I think this was, again, the perfect time for us to hang out and would love to hang out again in the future. If there's ever a a spot open, I'd love to pop back on here and share my thoughts and opinions on Destiny and the current state of the game. Uh, As far as where to find me, you can find me on Twitch here at twitch.tv slash Set Play, as well as on YouTube as well, Set Play. Um, those are the main places to find me, but I also peruse, uh, Twitter and Instagram from time to time. And I have a discord server as well, which I'm kind of absent minded in, but those are the main places to find me. I hope sincerely that for anybody who was, uh, new to, to me, that you guys would want to check me out, uh, would mean a lot to me if you did, but more than anything though, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak and share this wonderful interest that we have together here on the show tonight. And thank you as well for joining us. It was such a pleasure to have you on. We had so much fun tonight and so many great conversations that we had on the show. So we're so, so grateful for your time and for everything that you do in our community. And we'll definitely have to make sure to connect and hang out again soon on the podcast and offline as well, because we do play Destiny pretty frequently. And Shadow Price, how you feeling? Pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Awesome. Can't wait. Where can we learn more about you and, and your content and all that good stuff? 
Well, not so much in the content. The content is here. We, uh, we, we provide this uh, content for you guys every week. But um, you can find me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79 and also here on the Destiny Show podcast every Thursday night. Thank you Very so much. cool. Very cool. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast on every major podcast platform. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. And now we're also on Amazon as well. So make sure to tune in each and every week. We have many more guests to come for you in the future. And speaking of guests, next week on the podcast, we're going to invite the awesome Cosmo, our Destiny community manager, on the show to celebrate the launch of Destiny 2 Beyond Light. We're going to put Cosmo on the hot seat. We're going to learn much more about him and what he does over at Bungie. And we're going to dive in to all things Destiny 2 Beyond Light. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast on every major podcast platform. We're also on Twitter at twitter.com slash the Destiny Show. You can also find us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash the Destiny Show. And you can find me at OMG Cornholio. And you can find us on the web at destinyshow.com. And Guardians, thank you so much for joining us tonight for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. And we'll see you all next week. Good night, everyone. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.